Good everyone, welcome back to the Side Hit Podcast. I'm your host Fat Tony and today we have with us Carlos Garcia Knights. Welcome Carlos. Hell yeah, thanks for having me. How's your summer been? Oh, it's been um, an eye-opener, definitely. An, an yeah. eye-opener? Uh, how so? Well, I mean, I'm 24, just turned 24 and the last summer I had, like last legit summer I had was when I was 14. Holy shit, 10 years of... Uh... Pretty, yeah, 10 years of back-to-back Bro. winters and like when you're 14 summer's very different from when you're like 24 so totally, yeah. i was like camping with my parents and which i guess we like a lot of difference a lot of the same stuff but mm. yeah it was just it was just insane we i think i've covered like almost all of new zealand in a in some sort of car or nice. vehicle this year so yeah oh man isn't it's a good year to do it with the um mm. the country practically to ourselves that's the thing. I was just I was just trying to make the most of it, and I knew that with everything going on, this is probably the only chance like I was going to have to do some of these things that I wanted to do. Mm. And I reckon now, like, oh, I see all these people like surfing in Bali to themselves, and you know, like doing all this stuff that you can only ever do probably right. Well, this mm. last like six right. months, so. we we went down to Milford Sound in February. Yeah, we're the only car through the Homer Tunnel. Like, wow, exactly. when, the, when the borders open up, we're not going to go back. Holy shit. Nah, like, I need to do Milford Sound too. That's like stuff mm, like that, you know? And uh, it was uh, really hard to watch this guy, Jimmy, that used to work for me. Mm. He's in the Seco local. And it was really hard to watch his Instagram because oh. he was like, oh my God, it's inbounds and I can't even track it out. It's like, dude, that hasn't probably happened there <laughs> since the 90s. I heard so. it's like, I heard it was like one of the best winters as well. Like an insanely good winter. Oh, that just hurts even more. <laughs> I heard it was like, yeah, I heard it was insane there, but mm. I don't know. So, um, uh, you were shaping your own surfboards this summer? Oh, yeah, okay, this is a good story to start off with. Oh, okay. Um, shaped, shaped a surfboard with Miguel Porteous, and oh, yeah. he, he has this like little bay in his, like it's like a garret, or oh, a shed, mm. and this was not last winter, but the winter before, so it was two years ago, um, okay. 2019, and... We shaped it in his in his garage in his shed. Took probably like I guess like four sessions, which is first time shaping. You know, like took mm. us a while. We'd only go for a little bit, and then it sat in his underneath his garage for a year, and nothing happened to it. I I had this impression I needed to finish it off, but to, like turns out I got it. The blank was actually like really well shaped in my perspective. So I was just like, ah, oh, screw it. I'll take it home to Christchurch and I'll glass it in my garage. Ended up glassing it. Um, dyed the whole thing blue. It looked really sick. I had, like, wanted to like polish it and stuff. And then took like another two months to, to glass and finally finish. Took it up to Auckland to finish it. Because I was staying up there with my girlfriend. And then finally finished it. Sanded it down to like 1200 grit. Like cut and polish. I was like, it was like immaculate i could see my reflection in it yeah and then took it out to moldy bay in auckland on the west coast and it was probably three foot four foot and pretty like hollow and it's paddling out and there was this guy on a like a mini melt which is like an eight foot surfboard that people learn how to surf on and i was just like i don't know i was just like oh, i bet like it's not the right, right conditions for that board you know but I was just like, oh, I didn't think much about it. And then caught one wave, it was kind of shitty. Went back out, caught another wave, it was kind of shitty. And then I was like, kind of got to feel it out. And then I was paddling back out and I see this dude on the mini mail come like 
racing in on his stomach, like bouncing around from side to side. And I was paddling away from him and he just kept coming closer. And I was just like, fuck, he's gonna hit me. And I just kept paddling away from him and he kept just bouncing towards me. And sure enough, just on the last last little bit before he kind of got to me, he like hooked an edge and like bounced straight into me. And I had to like ditch my board so the so his board didn't hit me. Yeah. And turns out he just like completely smashed my board. Like oh. he like took a huge chunk out of the side and the his board like smacked me in the ankle. Like I thought I had like destroyed my ankle too. Well, I like I lost it at him. I, I've never been like so mad in my life. He didn't do it on purpose, though, did he? Or nah. So he didn't do it on purpose, and I felt like really bad about this because <laughs> I was just I'd spent so much time working on it, and then yeah. and then but he he like in the water he tried to blame it on me. He's like you should have paddled to the inside, and it was just like a beachy closeout, like not gonna happen. So and we got into this whole argument and stuff, but he he ended up. He ended up saying he was sorry and he was just like, look, I was just out of my depth. And I was just like, sweet, all good, man. Like, it happens. Just. But I built this board. Well, I built this board, <laughs> man. That's my number. And, and I haven't fixed it. That's my bad. I need to fix it. But oh, at least man. I know how to do it now. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. But building a surfboard is an awesome experience. Yeah. Like, yeah, I definitely rate it. The first, those two waves that I got were the best waves ever. <laughs> I guess that it's, was kind of, it was fun. it's kind of cool like to have that connection like mm. you know like I shaped this I built this and now I'm riding the waves with it and mm. uh, you know and I, I mean I see why people do that um, with snowboarding and start doing their own thing and stuff it's, mm. kind of, it's pretty yeah. cool a lot less machinery needed to make a surfboard I guess like mm. you can almost do it with um, you can do it well you really need an electric planer but um Aside from that, you just need a planer and a sander, or like an orbital sander or a, um, a buffer that you put mm. a, um, like stick some sanding paper to. Mm. And yeah. Oh, I guess it's one for the wall now with the story behind it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to fix it up because I'm still, it's this old school single fin. So I wasn't oh. really building it to like have a performance board. I just wanted to have something that like I built for those like in between days where it's not like we don't want to ride like a short board, but you don't want to ride a log. Just yeah. something to suck in between, so just to mess around on. But I'm I need sweet. to fix it, yeah. Oh, <laughs> cool, yeah. Well, we'll kick, uh, kick this off in the gear a little. Um, Carlos, where are you from and how did you get into snowboarding? Um, so, my dad's from Spain, he's from Madrid, um, and my mum's from Christchurch. Um, but I'm from, I was born and raised in Christchurch, and I do trips overseas to Spain every year, or every, every two years when I was a kid and see my family over there and I like like can't remember learning Spanish I was I think I was really young when I learned Spanish so um yeah I've just kind of been I grew up back and forth really between uh Christchurch and Spain but Christchurch was definitely like where I went to school and where I had my friends and stuff um but yeah it was kind of a random story getting into snowboarding like um I always skated heaps as a kid Mm -hmm. I was like lived two blocks down from the skate park I which, was just which park were you skating uh jelly park oh man yeah. yeah it's just like it's all there's no like hard edges it's all like really flowy and so except for there's a quarter pipe but is, is jelly park the one that's like it's almost from the 70s with that volcano in the middle it's not a volcano it's like, like um it's like a hump it's yeah. like it's kind of yeah oh it's, man 
it's that, crazy yeah that was one of my favorites when i could actually skate properly like yeah it's so flowy like um getting kickies on on that hump on the hump dude i've and, still never done a kick on i reckon uh, that hump is like yeah it's the perfect thing to ollie and mm. i always thought it was really cool the coolest thing i think i did at skate park which isn't that sick but it's, there's like a there's like a battleship ledge in the middle between the hump and then there's like a a tabletop except it's like there's it's like curved so oh. it's real flowy oh shit i'm thinking of a way different part sorry really sorry oh. sorry sorry listeners <laughs> don't listen to me I there is a, there's yeah. a there's a hump though yeah but i'm thinking of um oh shit i don't even oh, know maybe um it was like it was oh. like this and in crash yeah and it, was oh, like, it was like linwood a, almost a, nah nah it was almost like a, i used to love linwood yeah it was almost like a fucking cowboy hat you had this concrete volcano and then you had this sort of bank that went around it was towed oh, in the 70s um, what the fuck was that called uh, and uh but, oh no uh, it's in Papua Nui um uh, it it's was, like but in this massive park eh, and there's an yeah, elephant yeah. in the park I think so yeah I, mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking 17 about 17 years since I last got it so. yeah 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 sorry sorry listeners I'm Carlos <laughs> yeah. anyway no, no. Um, so yeah Jelly Park I grew up skating Jelly Park and coolest thing i thought it was like ollieing the from the table to the over the battleship into the but it's just a flowy skate park and i remember i were i went to a like a school that was right beside it an intermediate school uh cobham and it was so sick because i would skate my house was like skating distance to cobham and then skating distance to jelly park and so we would literally get like it would have been like 20 people down from school and they'd all skate this was before like scooters really were a thing and we'd, everyone would skate and we'd all roll up down there and it'd just be like a huge crew and i had like one of my best mates that would skate really hard as well and so we would just end up like spending our weekends from literally we'd catch the bus into wash or something and like just skate until it got dark and come home mm. and that's like like if we didn't come home like all grazed up and destroyed kind of like it wasn't really that fun of a day you know <laughs> we just we and we always love street skating and skating mm. like um yeah just skating around and stuff so that was kind of like my life before snowboarding and then um at jelly park we would kind of put like bike tubes around our um skateboards because oh, yeah. yeah. it was so super flowy and it was just kind of like a big yeah big park so we would do that every now and again. I know that's real whack, but we were just kids. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not the first um, first crew to do that. Yeah, but we would do that every now and again. Like, um, And then I remember getting into snowboarding was really like, kind of reminded me of that feeling. I was just like, fuck, it's like attached to my feet, you know, mm. which, which was crazy. So like what happened was my parents own the Curator's House restaurant in Christchurch. It's just this, it's this, um, it's this Spanish restaurant in an old building, um, and they've been they've been there for twenty years now. So f- since I've I can remember, they've had the curator's house, and one of their staff members was a surfer and a snowboarder from um, I think it was I think he was Spanish, um, but anyway, he knew that I skated heaps, and he was just like, "Man, you got to try snowboarding," and I was just like. Um, sure like i was just keen to try anything at the time i was a kid mm. and i was just like fuck yeah and so he um he was just like yeah he we we had a ha- uh, holiday home in hamner springs oh yeah and he was like oh well mount lyford is just 
just around the corner from Hamner, like you can get there pretty quick. And it's a really fun ski field, that's where I always go to. And so we were just like, sweet, we'll do a ski trip. And um, sure enough, like I bought this, I bought like a snowboard. It was an old ride snowboard with um, this dude had drawn. Yeah, it's like a, oh, it's kind of like a tiger, but like a feral dog slash pig. And it had this like huge, it was called the poo shooter. And it had this, it was just this thing shooting a huge poo out of it. And uh, <laughs> not an official ride graphic then. Nah, well, all right, should have been. I got it. I'll send you a photo of it. But um, I got that and a pair of um, Vans boots. Yeah. For twenty bucks, and because he was like, we may as well just buy that. It's cheaper than renting. Yeah. And we went around and checked it out, and it was good enough. So started snowboarding on that thing, and we ended up getting up the hill, and it was the bindings were all the wrong well they were set up goofy and i had to switch around to regs and the dude hadn't even seen that kind of snowboard like set up before he he didn't know what to do so we kind of just had to jimmy it up and finally got there in the end but um yeah it was sick i we had really good conditions to learn how to snowboard like um was it a t-bar at life there's a t-bar but there's a rope toe a really nice rope toe to learn on and um so i was gonna say first day on a t-bar would be a nightmare yeah well i don't know i was kind of thinking back i was kind of like this is mean because it's um snow and i was so used to slamming on concrete that anytime i ate shit on snowboard i was just cracking up because i just thought (laughs) like oh this i'm invincible it's snow you know Mm. and so i remember we were just going like we had hit the hit the rope toe it was really it was really good conditions because it would snow every night and then we'd be it'd be bluebird up there it was was Mm. crazy looking back at that and then after about a, three runs on the rope tire, I was like, I want to hit the T-bar. And mm. so it took me like four times, I think, to get up the T-bar to the very top. But um, I would kind of just like stand on it and I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know. I finally got up to the top and I remember it um, being so sick because there's this like massive cat track that loops down. And so I started kind of figuring out how to turn and stuff. And um, from the moment I got up there, I saw this, if anyone's been to Lyford, the one of the biggest things there is there's an old international truck mm. um, dug into the snow and you can drop it, like drop off the top of it. Oh, and right. it, they build like a little lip. I don't know if it's still there, but... <laughs> that's a it's, rainbow feature. Yeah. yeah, that's all that's there. It's just, oh, that's all that I remember. And so I was like, fuck, I just want to jump off that thing, you know. And so I'd be hitting all these little bumps on the way down. But um, I remember like trying to hit these like little things and never getting it and i remember all i wanted to do was an indie because i thought that was the sickest like on a skateboard i was like i always wanted to do a boned out indie over things you know just like classic front side air kind of photo so i was just like sweet i'll try that and then um i remember like finally on my last day hit the international drop and i don't can't remember the land i probably just shit but i remember i've got a photo of me doing like an indie outfit yeah. yeah and yeah so that was my first kind of experience snowboarding and then after that my my dad um loved fishing so he would take me up the hill every weekend pretty much i'd go up to porter heights because it was the closest from christchurch and mm. where there's a really good terrain park and a really good crew then and He'd take me up and either hang out because his knee was a bit busted. He's a really good skier, but his yeah. knee was busted. So he would either take me up and hang out and go for walks and stuff, or he'd go like go back down and go fishing and then come pick me up again because awesome. it's right. 
in Arthur's Pass, that mean yeah. fishing terrain. Oh, they go Dad. Yeah. Mm. Oh, he was... Dad was, like, I owe him a lot, like, mm. for doing that, you know? Like, not many parents would drive that, like, an hour and a half every week and just let their kids go ride, so... Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, were you just weekend worrying it for quite a while before... Um, before you started getting sponsored and that sort of thing or things yeah. sort of happened fairly quick well I started snowboarding when I was 11 and so that was like I guess like I don't know I thought it was I thought it was perfect time to start mm. snowboarding you know and then um I just like I didn't think of anything of it like I didn't I wasn't like like this is what I'm gonna do like I just loved it you know and I met some crew that were really like into it and I could kind of like go up there and Porter Heights had this like little like snow school thing and there was like I always was super jealous because I'd go up there and ride with like kind of by myself or with like a couple mates but I'd always see this pack roaming around and then Mm -hmm. I eventually got on with them and it's crazy because a lot of people like especially in America and stuff I'm guessing like their first experience in like a in a crew like that would be in a terrain park kind of but all these guys were like only keen to ride pow and like porters has this one um run like in the main valley just up to the right there and um it's like black diamond or whatever and Mm. i was like you have to take all three lifts to get up to the top then do this huge traverse along to it and then I remember some guy saying he could do it in four turns and that was like the thing. It wasn't like he could do a 360. It's that he could like do this face in four like good turns. Mm. So I was just like, all right, that's what I need to be doing. And so I spent that whole first year kind of like free riding more so than anything. I mean, so that was the bar, four turns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know who was working up there probably about that time? I'll have to get him on. Oh, who's that? uh, Matt Slocum, head honcho. Oh, really? Cadrona Terrain Park. Probably, man. He, because he was uh, about that time he was up there. Yeah, 2009, 2009, 2010. Yeah, 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the year. It was called Community Park. Mm. Um, and Porter Heights had an insane park. Like, I'm it was so good. Pretty sure he was there then. Because he worked with us in the rental shop in 2009. Oh, yeah. And then pieced out to go do Community Computers and Chicha. Mm. Was involved with Porters and then the quake happened and he ended up back down here. So oh, Corona's head honcho was kicking a uh, terrain park. Head oh. honcho was there. Well, that probably mm. explains why the park was so good. Because I remember my second year there. Because I got into like riding park, obviously. Because I was mm. skating heaps and got into riding park. And then um, the second year I was there, they had these three. I think it was three contests in the community park. And I like it was my first time kind of hitting bigger jumps. I and. I remember they had this crazy, they had this box rail jam, uh, box like cannon mm. as a jump and it was set up huge. Maybe my perspective of it is different, but I remember it being huge, you know, mm. and uh, it was legit, you know, like fire out. If they still had that park there, I feel like it would be like, it'd be on, you know, mm. it's the perfect pitch for a park. But uh, yeah, I won this con- contest at um, Porter's and... I think there was only two people in it, <laughs> but uh, I still, I was, I was fizzing, you know, like well, I didn't, winning's winning, dude. Yeah, 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 I'll take it, <laughs> and um, Jay Smith was up there, and he was like, um, yeah, well, 
we'll give you like a jacket for first place, a burden jacket. And they only had like, they were massive on me because I was just a grom, you know. And so he was like, okay, well, I'm not going to give you this. Like, just I'll, I'll, I'll figure out something and get it to you in Christchurch. And then he dropped me around like a couple of days later, this sick, like red burden jacket, like grom's jacket. And I remember it just being, I was like blown away. I was like, because I only had like secondhand gear because I kind of wasn't, my parents were like, they were like not sure if I was going to get in because I did a lot of random like mm. sports back in the day. Oh, I did like expensive outlay if you're not sure, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of had like random stuff and like hand me downs because they were really good skiers back in the day. So, mm. but then I was just like, whoa, this is a sick jacket. And then I kind of had a contact at Burden and I was going to cheapskates heaps back in the day to um, uh, like buy skateboard stuff. And, and I eventually was going there to buy snowboard stuff too. And then they kind of what happened was snow park was like in its prime mm. and they were doing this um this camp down at um at snow park cheapskates were running it and it was through um clayton and sharon with uh high cascade the rabbit hole guys yeah yeah, yeah. so what happened was they had the surf shop right next to cheapskates on high street and this is pre-quake so it was mm. like center of town like cheapskates was too like they had an office upstairs and stuff it was massive you know mm. it was a huge shop and massive like scene and i'd go in there every day i could you know and so clayton and sharon on this place next door and they would run camps and snow park through high cascade which was the same high cascade as american one mm, it's just a new zealand stuff, branch yeah. yeah yeah so i had seen all that stuff and i was just like fuck yeah high cascade and so i went Mum and dad put me on a van, like on a van trip down there with a bunch of the crew. We met at Cheapskates and we went down. So they then, just sent your parents sent you on your own with these guys. Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. But it's fully like it's fully mm. what you're supposed to do, you know. Like mm. that's what all the campers and stuff do in in America. And it was like the prime of it happening in New Zealand. Like there was mm. like a full van load of Christchurch kids going down. Right. And so I'd seen videos and photos of snow park and like i knew that's where i wanted to go like i told my parents about it and they like found out how to make it happen and it was just it was so sick that they that they did so what was your first impression when you got out of the car park and seen that super pipe and snow pie like well i like i was just frothing to see the box to, to see the box run the rail mm. run um the box line yeah and i like i remember just skimming straight past all that shit like didn't care about the super pipe, didn't care about the massive jumps, didn't care about like the bridge. I just like rolled up as you do from that last corner into mm. the car park and then I just like boom, like saw the, the box art and I was just like, fuck yeah. Like, I couldn't mm. believe it. It was like, I was honestly like blown away. It was like way bigger, way crazier, way gnarlier than I expected. Mm. And then... So, yeah, and that was the box line that when you got off the chair was... To your right. Yeah. Yeah, you do that. Look, look is right. Look is right, yeah. I loved yeah. that one because it wasn't under the chair so I could get away with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the same. Like, I just wanted to, like, mm. I just wanted to go jam it, you know, and I'd seen it all and, like, that's what was relatable to me. I was like, I think it was my, my second season by then. And so what happened was I went there and I met a bunch of crew that snowboarded. I was being coached 
like because they had coaches that you'd go and ride with, and it wasn't really you so didn't was, get coached. Was like, that High Cascade coaches or Snow Park? Coaches? Yeah, it was, it was well both. They okay. had, uh, I think they outsourced. It wasn't Snow Parkers. They they outsourced everything. Like Steph was a coach. Steph Zestraden. Zist- oh no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if Browner was or if that was later on with the FTB. Okay. But um, he so Steph was, but my coach was um. This dude, um, uh, uh, Dave, I should know this. Um, Dave Reynolds. Dave Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. And he's, crazy story, Dave Reynolds is now the US team coach. So, it was like, I didn't put this together until like... The US snowboard team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been the US snowboard team coach for ages. I think he was even maybe their coach at the time. Christ. But I didn't know who, he was just some like kooky american dude that like was down here and i was just like sweet and i had no idea who who he was or whatever whatever so i think he i don't know i had a really good time on that camp so i just was like fully i was just snowboarding as much as i could you know like i'd wake up and just i would ride until i remember i wrote all day and um and then like i don't even think i went in for lunch like, we were just we would just ride all day and then mm. i asked um parker if i could dig out the snow park stair set because i was like i'm gonna be parker and they're like yeah just dig out the stair set because it had snowed and it was icy and like so i just had so much energy and like fuck. it was just one of those moments because i must have been 14 oh no no i must have been 12 mm. so it was just crazy for me well, it's, it's funny you mentioned the stair set because um what's the story about you getting kicked out of that stair set a couple of years ago or something oh yeah well what? So, yeah, so fast forward, like, eight years or something. <laughs> Ten, yeah, eight years, I don't know. A, a, a decade, let's yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy year because um, uh, Spencer Schubert, Sam Taxwood, and um, a bunch of the, like, uh, States boys came over. Mm. And, like, the guys that you wouldn't usually see uh, mm. in New Zealand. And it was a lot of it thanks to Jossie hosting his event oh man yeah and and so a lot of the boys respected jossie and they came over for it and so um dylan ojo had just passed away which was super like devastating for everyone and mm. um a year back they had come or a couple years back they had come over and filmed um lords of the chicken which is an iconic like i enjoyed amazing one, yeah. amazing yeah. video filmed in new zealand like that was one of the most mind-blowing videos for us because it was just people taking like it was a trip watching those dudes ride Cadrona which is essentially my home mountain I know and they just and look like, at it so how, different yeah it's like where the hell even is that I know, that, that they, I these know. things that they were hitting and, and some things were obvious but it's like holy shit like, yeah that fully opened my mm. eyes to just like try mm. and see things a little differently you know because mm. and, and instead of being like because everyone sees stuff everyone's like wow that like mound of snow would be perfect to be able to hit <laughs> but it's but it's like there and it's inbound so like I'm not going to do it you know or like I just can't be fucked doing it but mm. like those boys would go out and see something and just do it you know mm. and it was sick anyway so they Schubert wanted to um, he really wanted to go back and do a bunch of these things on the same day as what they did two years ago in tribute to Dylan Ojo and so he'd done a lot of these things and the biggest one was to go and session the snow park rail and mm. 
JJ had tried before and got shut down and Trish passed. And Holy shit! JJ! Yeah. JJ. Oh, we forgot this about was, this one, mate. Yeah, this was years <laughs> before, I think. I think he got trespassed. And we had tried it, and the gates were locked, and we couldn't get in. And this was... Oh, this is going to be incriminating, but this was when I was sponsored by uh, Archibald's Audi. Like, I got, I had a sign-ridden car. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we drove up the mountain, and... Um, there's a fork in the road to go right to snow park and left to snow farm. And mm. when we got up last time, we tried to hit the rail. We went left to snow farm and tried to go around mm. and down the box line yeah. uh, in our car. <laughs> and that didn't work. This was this was a couple of years before that. But yeah. we got caught. We got caught and the dude was mad. So we tried. We're like, oh, we might as well just try to go see if this gate opens. And so in our sign-ridden car, we opened the gate <laughs> And there's no lock on it, so I don't know if it's still like that. But there was no lock on it. It was just it was just um, fully open, you know. So we opened the gate, drove up, and then the car started sliding out because they hadn't plowed the. It was fresh snow and they hadn't plowed the road. So my car only made it so far up, and we're just like, ah, oh, fuck it. We're just gonna ditch the car and walk up and hope no one sees our tracks, you know. Mm because it's pretty obvious we we weren't even around the first corner so <laughs> our car was just right there sign written with my name on it so it's pretty like well anyway we go up there and we were just we just wanted to go up there and talk to someone and say like hey this is what we really want to do this is why we want to do it like will you let us do it and no one was there so we just started digging and mm. we dug out the whole stair set and we set it set it all up it was it had just snowed like perfect kind of rail snow it was just like you know slushy like hot power and um we dug it all out and there's this huge drop off the end of it now because they plowed they plowed a road underneath it oh right so now now they have like utility vehicles kind of like cruising around there and so they just cut straight through it and so there's a huge drop off it now and so we had to dig all that in and just as we were about to hit it for the first time this dude rolls up in a snow farm mute and was so mad at us and we were just like oh like all this work for nothing like mm. he even saw the car that's why he came up and he was like about to call like these people from the dealership and i was just like freaking out and then we're just like well hold on like spencer just took him aside and said like we're doing this as a tribute to our friend and showed him the video he's like this guy passed away and like this is the reason why we're doing it it's just like for a tribute for him you know and and so the dude's like okay i can't get that that's Mm. sick you guys should do it and all credit to that guy because he like fully could have shut us down right then Mm. you know and so we end up hitting it me stacks um schubert and troy stark aussie guy Mm -hmm. and marcus was filming and then um yeah like had a really good session on we could ride as long as we want without getting shut down we had like um schubert had one of dylan's um mixtapes playing like he did these really cool mixtapes and he had one of those playing the whole time and then we just we all had like we all got good tricks like i Mm. i was kind of stoked and we all board slid it because that's what dylan did Mm. and then um we kind of just worked our way up to like keep sessioning it you know and then oh that's rad yeah i I, I was under the impression you guys got shut down and weren't allowed to hit it and stuff nah nah it's in um it's in there's a like a video for dylan ojo and 
uh, it's like a kind of like a memorial kind of thing. It's real. It's an amazing video, and mm. there's a lot of footage in it on that. And um, I think a couple shots got put into Ruckus One. Oh yeah. But um, Schubert did like to this day, it's one of the most insane tricks I've ever seen go down in person. He switched back lip, pretzeled it. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, that's and that's yeah. um, that's DC. It's not a joke either. And it had like oh, a meter and a half drop off the end of it. Oh and shit! Yep. He like I remember he he switched back lipped it a couple of times and then he went for the switchback lip pretzel and like clipped on one of them, like going into switchback lip and somehow got away with it. But like it wasn't so gnarly. Christ, I'm just that. mentally working out the mechanics behind there. That's kind of psycho. It's so psycho. Yeah. And he did it twice. Fucking <laughs> hell! Yeah. Christ. So. Um, we've shot forward a decade, so we'll go back a decade then. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you're down at Snow Park and stuff. How did um, writing for Burton come about? Was was things already in motion with that interaction with Jay that you had at Porter's? Or? Oh, kind of. Like, So what happened was I got sponsored by Cheapskates first. That was after um, High Cascade. I came back and I hit the step up. Uh, the, the mini step up at Snow at Park, Snow Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I honestly had no like intention of I was just there for fun you know and I just saw the step up and was like soaked and did a couple other things I was really pumped on that I didn't expect to do and then Cheapskates were like yeah we want to just start flowing you stuff and um, giving you like pretty much like discounts off whatever and you just whack stickers on your boards and tell kids to like come to Cheapskates, you know? Mm. They were super chill about it. The dude... Matty Proctor was working at the time at Cheapskates. Oh, no yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was there. And um, who else? This Matty Proctor. He was just around here last night. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We had a giant nerd off over snowboards. Oh, the usual. <laughs> nice, yeah, What's yeah. up, man? <laughs> yeah, I remember... Yeah, so Matty Proctor was working there. And um, this guy called Buttons was working there. And he... Um, uh, his... Yeah, so he hooked it up for me. He, I, I'm not sure if Matt Proctor was working in behind the scenes as well or, or what the deal was, but this dude Buttons was just like, yeah, like you're on the team. And they they got me discounts off Stepchild snowboards. So my first brand new snowboard was Stepchild and it came with child support. And oh, child support was the first movie I watched start to finish. Like there wasn't just some YouTube clip, you know? It's like mm. my first like actual movie and I binge watch that like to the max like i reckon joe sexton was he was my favorite snowboarder growing up easy Stepchild was a strong strong brand huge then, yeah him and the brand yeah and simon chamberlain oh. mm. those two were like my those were my guys you know mm. so but burden came about so because what happened was i bought the second hand snowboard it snapped the first day i used it so I went and bought... Um, was that the ride? Or? No, it was just like this... Uh, it was like a burden um, ground board, but oh, it was yeah. it was real waterlogged, and I bought it for super cheap, and I just... I, like, creased it first day, hmm. and I was just, like, bummed out, but then got the stepchild, and then um, it was the Lego one, mm-hmm. and then uh, I ended up snapping that at the end of the season two somehow, and so I was, like, kind of... I was like, fuck, I need another board. And I've gone through two in one year. And mum was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> kind of thing, you know? <laughs> and I was um, I was getting a snowboard through Burton, but it was through cheapskates. Like, 
they were just trying to suss me a board because I was a Grom. It was like a th- one three six or whatever, you know. Like mm. there was n- not many of those boards floating about. And so I finally got one. Um, and then the next year rolls around, and Bert and I are like, yeah, we're kind of we're keen to have a chat with you, and we've heard good things through cheapskates or whatever. And so I roll up. We go to higher ground, the mm. office and. Um, the distribution of burden in Christchurch yeah. and they had an office there and I was 13 I think and so I was like so I remember I was so nervous and I went with my dad and he was we were walking upstairs through this office and I was like there was like snowboards everywhere and I was freaking out and then I remember being so nervous walking upstairs and dad like just shot his eyes across at this dude and I was like what's going on here and this other guy's looking at across from his desk looking at my dad and then sure enough this guy was like Javi and that's just my dad's name and I was like what the fuck and then dad was like guy and it was guy Alty. yeah and I was just like I had no idea what was going on so these guys were like pretty much just like broing down there hadn't seen each other in years and they explained to me that when my dad first came to New Zealand guy Alty um was one of his first mates like he went to a pub in Sumner and met Guy and crashed on his couch for like a couple of weeks Guy would even drive my dad into university just out of the goodness of his heart like he fully hooked it up for my dad when he first got here Brad. and so I just pretty much was sitting back these guys were catching up after a long time no see kind of thing and then Guy was just like oh yeah so you're on the team now and I was just like well sick <laughs> didn't even have to say a word you know <laughs> And I think we ended up, we did chat a little bit, but like, didn't feel like much. Mm. And so he, he, there and then he gave me like a snowboard, some bindings and some stickers. And I think, I don't think I, uh, I don't think I got any outerwear. Mm. Um, so who else was on the Burton team at this time in New Zealand? Was this like the Nick Brown, Shelley Gottlieb? Sh- Nick Brown, Shelley Gottlieb, Ben Comber. Right. With a, yep. with a, with a crew, really. And Jess Comba too. Jess was a ripper back then, actually. And um, they were riding porters quite a bit, too. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, that all happened. And then, um, yeah, like, 10 years on, it's still going strong. It's Ram. been... They've just been so, like... And and you're yeah. Burton and through international now, though, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, but um, it kind of works mm. locally as well. Like, I still do all my stuff like i still plan all my stuff through jay and um and paul and zander and all those boys within australia and new zealand but then um i also get helped out when i'm traveling overseas and stuff like that but yeah it's it's through the global team which is pretty crazy to think now yeah that's uh, especially 13 year old um carlos walking into higher grounds yeah fire out (laughs) um which uh there's a couple of things i want to ask you about this time um with 13 just got on the higher ground burton team was this the same time that you were selling tie-dyed t-shirts? <laughs> or what, what's the story yeah, behind that, Carlos? Far, I was still dreading oh, this moment. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Laura Headley, for bringing this one up. Oh, all right. So I guess I can't deny any of this. So I'm just going to tell it how it was. I would buy like just like packs of dye and just like tie-dyed t-shirts. And I think one year, actually, it was where I met JJ up there. Um, it was just up in Nelson where we went to go like camping and stuff in the summer. Nelson Tino course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah shit. So yeah, um, no, I just I think I sold like only sold like two or three. But 
I sold, I just made them, sold them off, and yeah, that was like enough money to go buy stuff from the dairy. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, a, I was like 12, so oh, to right. my defense. Yeah. Uh, Laura, I, I got the impression that you were going into the Quicksilver shop and trying to fund snowboarding with them or something like that. Oh, right. No, nah, I don't yeah. think so. Not from my memory. I think I was just selling them to buy, like, random stuff at the dairy. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wasn't Do- funding my... Uh, t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. And the other sponsor I wanted to talk to you about, which must have been about this time, was Wheatbix. Or what was yeah. the story there with that? Yeah. Um... This one was kind of crazy. So my sister had, she was doing like some acting and at the time I was, uh, not, I was like just snowboarding, but she was, her agent was like, oh yeah, there's this Weepix thing coming up. Like you should do it. And, um, sure enough, I went into like do the audition and two weeks later they're like, yeah, we'll take you. And it was like a really good paycheck for me at the time. So and snowboarding's expensive, you know? So I was just like, this is perfect because um, I'll be able to use this money to go traveling and whatnot. So got on the got on the shuttle, got to Kaikoura where they were filming it all. And it was a full production, like director, producer, like lighting, camera, everything. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how hectic it was going to be. And then Hamish Bagley jumps out of the van and who I knew through snowboarding and snowpark and stuff and so did will saxton another mate of mine and then um jess Comber did too so i was just like holy shit these are all my mates like i kind of knew that there was going to be like that kind of crew but i didn't realize it was like hamish you know he was like the dude i was looking up to you know so um yeah so we filmed this ad in kaikoura snowboarding at mount lyford thing was like you snowboard to surf like all in one day kind of thing and it was actually really sick like uh we got to hang out heaps as like a crew and we got fully hooked up you know like hotels dinner like clothes paycheck like we just got like it was crazy for me and so hamish and will and jess and i were just living it up in Karkora for a week and came back um into wanaka like just stoked because we just had a sick time and it paid for our trips overseas you know Red. So that was the first time I even heard of you. It was uh, I hadn't seen the ad? Oh yeah. But it must have been because I've known JJ since forever. Oh yeah. And yeah, it yeah. must have been he must have mentioned you know Carlos. Well, actually, it would have probably been the JJ era. So yeah, yeah. Been like, <laughs> you know Carlos, the Weetbix kid. <laughs> oh yeah, I copped a lot of shit for that <laughs> and, uh, as a kid. But that's fine because um, actually JJ was there, so he oh, was yeah. there. He came down as an extra. Oh no way! Uh, no, no, as a uh, not an extra. It's like a. Um, back up in case one of us got hurt okay so i think he did well out of that too he didn't have to do anything he got paid so he can't <laughs> no, jj smarter than we give him credit for it yeah 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 absolutely but yeah so that paid for my first trip overseas mean and where would you go overseas um i went to breckenridge colorado Sweet. with um with colin bartlett Oh, right, yeah. simple, simple snowboarding. Simple snowboarding, yeah. I went with Colin Bartlett, Lion Farrell, and oh, um, who else was I? I was living with Shelley Gottlieb. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, not full-time. She would kind of come in and out and stuff, but... Was this about the time where they were all prepping up to go to Sochi? Yeah. Thing? So there was a pretty heavy... Yeah, I think presence. it was... Bef- oh, what year would it have been? 
I can't remember. No, it was. It would have been before 2014. It would have been 20. It would have been as they were kind of building towards it. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a strong Kiwi contingent over in Summit County, eh? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real strong, yeah. Mm. But that's that's why we went there because it had kind of been established that that was like the place to go if you wanted to like go ride park and like. Mm. And, at, and at that time, I was just like, that's all I wanted to do, you know, go and ride park. And were you competing at this time as well, or were you just over there camping? Oh no, I was I was competing a little bit. We'd do okay. like rev tours and stuff like that, um, but. Yeah, it was kind of just a crazy culture shock for me going over there because there was like all the stuff you saw in the movies, you know, and like, and more like it's, I remember the first year we actually rode freeway, which are like the big jumps there. Mm -hmm. And it took me ages to balls up to do it. But like, I just remember just freaking out. Of it. <laughs> like, I hit the big line at Snow Park and only a couple of times. And I was just like, these, the freeway jumps are like another level. <laughs> Whoa. So we were like, yeah, I don't know. Because those crazy... snow park jumps were fucking big too. Like, yeah, they were just but... gnarly step downs the first two. And then the last one was, you know, like a true. Mm. But then all of the ones at, all of the ones at freeway were like the last one. Right. So it's like, I hadn't hit the last one yet. Yeah. It was like the big, the big one, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was, yeah. But... And so was, yeah. So this was the start of you sort of, um, having a crack at making a sort of I guess a living out of being a competitive sponsored snowboarder yeah I guess that's kind of when like stuff started happening for me because mm. um I started doing competitions and doing well overseas and like I remember winning oh I remember the first year I didn't win anything but I remember like eventually starting to win stuff and like um, so what sort of competitions were you winning were they sort of local or yeah they were like the or? USASA oh, yeah. ones like which is like the like entry level um, snowboarding competitions over so, there. So that's like your amateur. Yeah, sort of full thing. full amateur. There'd be like a hundred and twenty groms entering it. Oh, so right. like it was like competitive, but it was just like you know. And so we ended up. I ended up doing a bunch of those. But then the first kind of contest that I properly did well at was um, I I would say in my mind is winter games. Like because I was doing all these little competitions, you know, and like. They meant a lot to me, but not to anyone else, you know? Mm. So I was kind of just like, all right, like ticking away, but then I really wanted to see how, if I was going to do competitions, you know, I wanted to do like bigger ones and bigger mm. ones. So I started getting more into it. And um, I was always like, I always just loved, like it was all natural to me. It was never mm. like someone in my ear saying like, oh, you should do competitions and like you're going to get paid or whatever. Like I was just like, fuck yeah like I can do another competition and this is sick you know and do mm. a bigger one next time or like whatever so I ended up getting um, on the New Zealand team with JJ yep. when I was 16 and we started kind of doing more competitions but I got third at um, actually no the year the first time I thought I did well at a competition was when I got fourth at Winter Games oh yeah and, that and was at Cadrona yeah. yep. and that was a World Cup and so who were you competing against just give us an idea of um, that was everyone like so the that best. was yeah that was like I, oh, not everyone because no, not everyone came down to New Zealand you know but but, but you were competing against the, the best yeah, in the yeah. world it was the open it was level. like the New Zealand open right. kind of thing like it was yeah it was legit so that's know? pretty good then coming in fourth against that. yeah that's, and I yeah. thought I got robbed at that event like I never <laughs> thought I'm never like that but I was like fuck I got robbed you know but probably didn't it was probably just me just being bummed out but <laughs> <laughs> i was like fuck 
Oh man, well, what? Chris Corning won, and I was like, oh, I was like, no way. <laughs> oh, I was so angry. But anyway, he he yeah. Uh, yeah, it happened. It the, happened. These things happen, right? <laughs> You're not the yeah. first, and you certainly won't be the last. So yeah, what, yeah. Like, what was good, what was being thrown back then to win? Was this in the age of doubles or triples? Or yeah, what? I was doubles. Like, um, I think there was like, I think I did a, I think my run was switchback nine, front ten, back ten, or back. I did a back twelve on my step up run at the. Oh, yeah. at the so I was like fucking stoked on that because I had yeah. like never done really back twelves before. But then the dude who won did like a cab twelve, and I was just like. <sighs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, mm. I remember Mikey Cicerelli was one that bumped me into fourth, and he did a sick run. I thought he should have won. That's yeah. kind of I was more ang- like I was more like oh Mikey should have won. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's kind of how it all went down. And then the next year, I came third at Winter Games, which is. Uh, yeah, that was pretty pretty good for me. I think that was my only medal. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I was, no, I was pumped on it, you know? Mm. It was like a big thing to be um, in New Zealand and to do like that. Especially to, on, on your home turf when you've got the best in the world there to show up to have your feet amongst these yeah, yeah, riders yeah. and be like I'm here too yeah yeah that's, that's the thing cool. like, I've been riding these jumps all like all my life you know and then all these other people roll up and mm. I was like well I mean yeah I just wanted to snowboard with these other people you know I wasn't mm. like fuck these guys they're coming to New Zealand to like you know I was never like that I just wanted to um, be there and like ride with them you know because I was yeah. just like holy shit these are the guys that I look up to and all of a sudden they're here riding the same jumps that I ride like every day you know so who were some of the riders you were looking at influence wise for your own sort of uh, riding at this time um it was a lot of it was Torstein at at the start Mm. like um watching all his movies was massive to me and and Holdor like Black Mm. Winter and like a lot of those ones but I think I, I got a lot of the Burden movies off um off Jay and um, a big I remember the first person that I was absolutely like like mind blown to was Mikkel Bang oh yeah he is like he was the dude for me you know like he was just like when I first started watching um, Burden films and seeing that stuff like Mikkel Bang like his snowboarding spoke to me like in another level you know I'm so stoked that he won that Travis Rice event because <laughs> um, uh, it's just like man it was yes yeah was like he deserved that you know mm. he's the sickest like and he's like six foot what as well like yeah. he's a big dude and yeah you know, I, was, I was I was hyped oh yeah you know? he's and, yeah. yeah so yeah it was a lot of him and then down the line um, obviously a lot a lot of other people like um, I have to say that Alec Ostring was a massive one for me at mm. that time as well as like throughout like my snowboarding life like mm. he because he was dating Christy yeah so um, he, he was down here a bunch eh? yeah he came down here a bunch and when we were traveling on the New Zealand team he would like or he'd kind of be hanging out quite a bit mm. and he was like a mentor to me in those young years where like it can be like I don't know like you're traveling around you're partying and stuff like you can easily get off the rails you know yeah and he was the kind of dude being like, go and do all that shit, but like, don't miss a day snowboarding. And he yeah. was like, 
I don't mind if you go party because I used to party heaps as well but like I would never miss a day snowboarding if I was hungover yeah and not because like I don't know not because of anything but he just like didn't want to miss out snowboarding you know and Mm. I was just like fuck yeah that's That's so sick that's awesome yeah I loved it when he was down like and he would be riding the mini pipe competition with everyone oh yeah and and you're like no way and then Alec and he would ride it better than anyone else like he's yeah. And he'd come over to the um, Quest Bank Slalom over at Coronet. And yeah, he yeah. Was, and it's like... He's a cool snowboarder, man. Like, he... You know, yeah. the best in the world, and he's just kicking it. Exactly, so yeah. Cool. He's, like, he's not too big for his boots at all, mm. you know? And, like, I don't know. It was just really refreshing for me to hear, like, him just put it like that, you know? Like, it's not because I don't want to, like... It's not because I'm not, like, too cool to do all this stuff. It's, like, it's just for the reason because I want to go snowboarding and Mm. the way he snowboarded you could tell that he rides all the time you know he's like so natural that you could just be like this dude just rides every day you know well that's a guy with some perspective yeah fully and he do that but when it's affecting this then yeah 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 Yeah, and i think that's something like i've taken through to other things in in my life i I don't know i don't want to get too deep on it but like um he just he was a really good mentor for that because he you know like he did things for the right reasons and it um definitely like yeah like oh, i got into trouble with him though this one time i um i'd hurt my knee and i had two and a half months off and i was working with snow sports to like get back into it and stuff i had quite a, it was quite a sketchy injury it was bone bruising in my knee which can like rot your bone if you don't look after it so it's like real gnarly if it's not treated properly and um alec had just rolled up to new zealand and there was a powder day at tc and i hadn't ridden in two and a half months and i was given the all good to go ride again in a week so i was like oh fuck yeah i'll just go up and jam some tc runs with alec but like a week before i'm allowed to go back and as i was going to get my pass from the ticket office um jenny rutledge the uh like snow sports new zealand physio tapped me on the back and was just like i don't think so and because she's like you got one more week to go of rehab before you're allowed to go snowboarding again i was just like are you kidding me and so she's amazing like i don't want to rat her out but it was just how it was you know and then she knew how gnarly the injury could have gotten and stuff and she she had your back she had my back but then what happened was the main dude from snow sports fully like suspended me from snow from snow sports because he was just like you like didn't do what the like he was so gnarly about it and he was like don't come to the gym don't come you're suspended for a week and we're going to review you oh for 24 hours and we're going to review your contract for Ooh. for me and alec trying to go snowboarding yeah. and then it was a huge deal and it was just crazy to me and um alec and i laughed about it like looking back but I, mm. <laughs> it was gnarly you know like mm. they yeah, they had my back, but I was just like, "Wow, really? Yeah, damn, that's that that's quite a, quite the reaction there." Yeah, um, <clears throat> we've mentioned them a couple of times. I think we've got to sort of uh, bring them back up again. How did um, JJ come into the picture? Because you guys seem like pretty have seemed like a tight unit for a long time. Yeah, so JJ was like um, when I first got to Wanaka, he was he was already here, mm. and so and he was obviously like the best snowboarder from my perspective mm. that was young at the time you know him and hamish were like hamish bagley they were the two kind of like i don't know so 
I was just riding with him as much as I could because I, I was just a grom and I just wanted to get to know him and like it was pretty natural and then um, as time went on we just like I don't know just became really good mates through snowboarding and um, I guess we kind of like just lived the same kind of life you know like we we were both young growing up snowboarding got on well together and like started traveling together and like when you travel with someone you just like you know you figure it out and mm. I feel like that was that was just it for us like we just like we're living the same kind of lifestyle from the get-go and mm. it was sick you know like yeah we just both like wanted to do all the same shit so it made oh, sense sweet. we would like go snowboarding we would like go skate or like go do other things together that was just like and was this when you both were on the New Zealand team as well sort of like you yeah was teammates with that yeah so what happened was we kind of like would travel together and mm. snowboard together and stuff and do competitions and go free riding and stuff like that and he would go to Mammoth and I'd kind of go to Breck so it was kind of we, we wouldn't see each other all the time at, at um at the start but then we both got put onto the New Zealand team at the same time and we just kind of like yeah took off like I remember we went to like the one of the craziest trips was we went to Valmalenko which is this tiny little resort in Italy and you have to get this huge cable car it's like a mining town yep. and um, there was this like world champs there and we had to turn there's a left hand a right hand turn in the middle of the course like a 90 degree turn but I remember JJ we'd go uh, this was when Pete Ludnowski was uh, one of the head coaches and um, Pete Ludnowski was coaching snowboarding no 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 skiing but oh, he right. was like overseeing everything because oh, okay. he was right. he was just one of the like adults here I guess whatever, oh yeah but, we were 16 at the time and Pete is JJ's uncle. So yeah. we were in Valmalenko and we were like, we'd just done snowboarding and we got down to the hotel and it was me and JJ and we were like just chilling outside with Pete because it was a beautiful spring afternoon. And sure enough, like 10 Italian girls in this group walk past and Pete just like nudges JJ on the show and he's like go talk to them and JJ just picks himself up without a, without a doubt and just walks over there and to, it was like one one JJ walking over and ten ten like Italian chicks and turns out they didn't speak a word of English he just went over there comes back like five minutes later like after doing some like sign language and stuff he's like oh yeah they're just going to the bar down the road and like got one of their numbers and like met up with them and I was just like dude how do you <laughs> How do you do that? Slippery gypsy. Slippery gypsy, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty hectic. But, yeah, so JJ was... Jesus Christ, JJ, you little snake in the grass. Bloody hell. <laughs> I don't know what... Yeah, I don't know if I can say what happened after that. But oh, well, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't anything sketchy, but, like, um, let's just say the, the drinking age in Italy is younger than New Zealand. So, I think... Uh, he took advantage of being able to go to the bar <laughs> and, and meeting up with them. But yeah, no, it was good. And I remember, like, the hardest thing for me about, like, all that kind of, like, about growing up with JJ and all that stuff is I never felt like he got recognized to the same way that I saw it, you know? Like, he mm. was always in my eyes, like, he was always, like, tenfold better than me mm. in every way. And, like, it's, I'm not just saying that because, you know, like, it's actually... Anyone who knows about snowboarding knows how good JJ is and knows mm. how, like, stylish he is and how perfect, like, his board control and all that is. Like, mm. the stuff that matters 
Jada is the best at, you know? And so, so the powers that be weren't seeing what you were seeing, sort of. Yeah, thing. and I think it's hard in New Zealand because if he if he was on the same trajectory in in the US or in Europe or something, it would be a completely different story, you know. Yeah. But just because of what what like, I think it's hard with snow sports in New Zealand being a big a big contributing factor to your financial like ability to go snowboarding, you know, because mm. he. Um, he had like he has everything that you need to be like a pro snowboarder. You know, he's just I would say to this day he's still like easy someone that I look up to and someone that I think like every time I go ride I want to be like him. You know, I'm just like fuck. I mean, he's, you know, look at his style. Right yeah, there. he's and like a samurai or something. You know, it's like it's perfect fucking ambassador for yeah yeah as much know, as like, yeah for lack of a better word eh? like yeah. he yeah he's just a fucking true snowboarder and like for everything anyway so like that's something that i found hard was like seeing him like struggle with the competitive stuff and like so from an outside perspective he was probably you know like Mm. he could have gone down the filming stuff and like from the get-go and had done that really well you know not that Mm. he wasn't a good competitor because he was it's just that i think his heart kind of was telling him to do the other Mm. stuff more but there wasn't anything for that in New Zealand at the time you know yeah so when you were saying he was struggling with competitive was what what do you mean by that exactly Uh, well it's hard because it comes from two different places it comes from like I don't want to speak on on his behalf Mm. but for me because I've had the same thing happen over time you know Mm. but like you have push from one side being like you gotta like snow sports they have like things that you need to tick off in the year to like continue getting funding from them tricks or it can be it's mainly results but when you're young it's tricks as well because they kind of they're like don't want to see you progress and stuff which is kind of fair enough but like also should should be natural and i think they've found a good way of balancing that but back in the day it was quite new for everyone Mm. and when we were doing when we were coming up it was quite new um in some in some ways you know so they hadn't really had someone from the 16 year old to the pro like you know they'd just Mm. had like these pros come in and then they'd be like well we'll help you out or i might be wrong on that but that's how Mm. it kind of seemed and so we ended up um so what happens is you get these like people and like i don't want to talk down on anyone because it's not what i'm trying to say it's just that Mm. you get these conflicts of you wanting to do something that's not uh pointing you in the direction of competitive snowboarding mm. and other people saying like that's not kind of what you should be doing right now so is it, is it sort of like the conflict of like triple corks but i just want to chuck a method or exactly like exactly that, you know? yeah yeah or i can't i don't want to ride the park today i want to go like hike the summer and do some turns you know mm. and like or i just want to ride with my friends ride and just yeah chuck methods in front threes and just chill for for the day even mm. though it's like a perfect day you know mm. and which is completely all good and obviously mm. but um i don't know i just feel like there's that time where there's like that conflict in your head where you start tearing yourself apart and instead of being like snowboarding for the fun and for the moment and like all the reasons why you started becomes this thing where you're like i'm not like you feel guilty for going and doing power turns or something you know Damn. and it's crazy because 
it's not it's not people saying that to you to make you feel guilty it's just the pressure that you put on yourself to like I don't know want to do good at stuff you know and you don't want to let people down yeah 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 and it's not it's never been snow sports in my ear saying like that or like for JJ I don't know but like it came a point for both of us where we were like where there's more to do here but like it's not what I want to do you know Mm. like and for JJ it's tough because he couldn't I feel like he could have just been like not that he's not like I'm I'm making this out to sound like he, is, he isn't but like he's the biggest snowboarder from our generation to me easy mm. um, now if but he it's was, just if he was based out of the states he'd have a pro contract with yeah like look God at knows what yeah and, yeah yeah and yeah. I just think that like there's room for that in New Zealand snowboarding you know like mm. there's definitely room there's like even though there's not the money and all this stuff like there's a lot of other factors that make like possible you know like mm. the world's a smaller place now with all this stuff that's going on i feel like there just needs to be some sort of kind of like i don't know direction towards like there doesn't have to be everything towards competitive snowboarding like there should be some other side of things that like channel people towards you know and like motivate people to do because mm. like snowboarding isn't just about competitions and like i woke up every day and watched snowboarding films before i went snowboarding even mm. during my like most even before the olympics or whatever you know mm. and so i didn't go and watch like the best snowboard run of all time i watched mm. like i don't know like devon walsh or like you know i just mm. watched someone that would inspire me at the time and whether it be like an old like whether it be a, a mctwist that terrier did that like got me stoked on or, or like you know just like just to go snowboarding was the main thing it wasn't mm. like sort of make it a bit more inclusive yeah 100 percent. looking at like people throwing dubs and chips and all that stuff it's I mean it's incredible mm. and the athleticism behind that is is mind-blowing mm. and of course it's a it's a natural progression because I remember when people were looking at 900s like people looking at triples yeah 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 but at the same time it's sort of like looking at that you're like well how the fuck do you even achieve that yeah and then you look at yeah, like yeah. some of the video parts like you let's, let's we've talked about JJ so let's bring him up like you can watch a, like a front three of him off a cliff or him just chucking a straight air. Yeah. And you're like, or just, oh, yeah. Wow. Like I, I can't do it like that. I can't do it as big as that, but, but I, I know the like feeling. It, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and that's what I, we talked about this in JJ's one. That's what I liked about Michael Bang's run mm. in the Jackson hole, uh, natural selection. Mm. was I haven't done a 540 in fucking years but he did a couple of fives I was like oh I remember what that felt like yeah I can feel it yeah 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 I I need to dust that off holy Mm. shit you know and and you get stoked to go out and do it Mm. and I feel like that's yeah JJ's the perfect example of that like he you watch him ride and you're like fuck I really want to go snowboarding now you know Mm. and that's how I mean like I I don't want to take anything away from competitive snowboarding though because Mm. It's so rad. It's giving me everything, you know. Like I'm yeah. the fir- I'm the fir- last person that can bag it out because like it's sick and I love it and I still love watching snowboard competitions. It's but just that I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's just like slightly one sided in New Zealand. Mm. So when you're a competitive snowboarder, mm. um, what were your goals heading towards? Was it to, like all towards the Olympics? sort of thing nah like I remember the first time I got invited to US Open I was just like uh, that was to me like I was more nervous up there than at 
the Olympics, you know. And mm. same with the X Games. Like, those two were the big ones for me. Oh, it was the US Open's prestigious event. Was this back when it was out east in Vermont? No, I was never... I was never in that one. The first one I did was in Vail. Oh, yeah. And it was the sickest time ever. Like, I I was just... I just couldn't believe the quality of the course and the quality of the competition, you know? Like, they were f- completely for the riders and, like, we got hooked up. We, I was on Burden, so I got to stay in the Burden team house, which is amazing, and got to, like, meet Jake Burden and um, meet all, like, the dudes I... You know, all the, mm. all the team, you know? And so I was just... I was just like what and then um, that year I came uh, fourth in my first Burden Open US Open and so I kind of got like I got invited back and like because the first year I was staying somewhere else but I would go and hang with the team you know at the team house and then the next year I got invited back and I got to stay with the team and like so and that was crazy we got like a chef they like cook us food and and, like Jason is his name and he's like the most humble like down to earth dude as well so you know, it's just an insane group of people. and mm. But, yeah, I don't think it was ever, like, oh, yeah, Olympics. That was just, like, something that kind of came up and I wanted mm. to experience, you know? Because I'd, mm. done, I'd done all these other contests and then I got invited to X Games the year before the Olympics. And a lot mm. of people were, like, don't do X Games because you might hurt yourself. Like, I don't know, just stupid shit yeah, like that. Super, but superstitious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, like, oh, my God. Like, this is... Like, this would be... I put that on a higher pedestal than the Olympics, you know, so mm. went there and like, I, I just feel like it was going back to what I was saying earlier. It was just like the natural, like what I was just enjoying at the time, you know, mm. I, I never really, I never really looked at it and like, um, I did plan it out. Like there's a lot of planning that goes into going to the Olympics and stuff, mm. but like, you know, I was just, it was just what was happening and I was loving it, you know, so it was never like force or anything you know all right so the olympics sort of more fell into the wouldn't it be nice category yeah 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 exactly i was just like imagine saying imagine saying that i could like go and ride olympic snowboard course you know like it wasn't i wasn't so much looking at it as like oh yeah want to go to the olympics i was just Mm. like how crazy is it that there's an Olympic snowboard slope style course? Like, Cause, cause if they're going to make it, I may as well try and go and ride it, you know? There was a time where that sentence wouldn't have even been able to be said. Yeah, so and like, there was only one that had happened before that. It was Sochi, and it looked insane, you know? Mm. So they had the best, like, well, not the best course. They had a hectic course, but, so like, yeah. What's the Olympics? Were you slope style and big air? Yeah, so to make sure big air didn't become a, um, an aerials show they put it in as a combo with slope style so you couldn't right. just go and do big air okay you had to do slope style and big air which hasn't really worked but mm. it was still sick because they built that jump out of scaffolding dropping was scaffolding flat bottom was earth and then the landing was on the stadium seats mm. so they just covered the seats in snow and holy shit and that was a big air landing and that was the olympic big air landing yeah like me so, because so, um, you qualified first for the big year, is that right? Yeah, so the Olympics, how it went was we had the first, slope style was the very first event. It was before, yeah. qualies was before the Olympics, the opening ceremony, you know? Oh, right. So we were in there doing qualies before the, the night before, oh, the, or maybe it was the night after. Yeah, we had training before and then opening ceremony and the very first event was slope style. So... Um, and then 
fast forward, the, we had to have this huge void in between our two events. So Slope Style was very first and Bigger was very last. Mm. So it was like the spectacular like event, you know. So, But yeah, so qualified second in qualies for Slope Style and then came fifth for Slope and then qualified first, which was one of the craziest days of my life probably. And then completely fucked it up and so, came last so how was that how was that though like when you qualified first you just have to pinch yourself and be like that did that holy shit like, yeah so i don't know people probably talk about like this is the most like cheesy thing ever to be said but like i think it was the only experience that i've really really tapped into it and like hear people say flow state and like how they just ch- channel it in like what happened that day was it was a perfect day and it was one of the most like highest level of snowboarding in a snowboard competition in a, in a bigger competition and i had been shitting myself i hate like i'm not a person that does my hard tricks all the time like i i'm such a pussy with them a lot of the time like i really have to psych myself up to do like a big trick you know mm. and it means a lot for me to like do it like i'm not just like i'm not just gonna go throw it all the time and I had been like really working at this like switchback 16 which is just like crazy now thinking back at it mm. and I, th- I landed one on my first run and I was like I was so so it was like the best one I'd, one of the best ones I'd ever done but I touched my hand oh. but I'm, I'd never not done that you know so I was just like whatever and I got like the shittest score I got such a bad score for it I think I, I didn't even qualify with it and it was like the best one of the best tricks I've ever done and it was like to the level where not like other people like it was competitive with like other people you know mm. and I felt like I should have got through and I think I was like one of the first to drop so that always kind of has it has a good or a bad effect but then so I was like well I'm not going to land two of these in a row like I've never landed two of them in, in a row before so I was just like fuck it I'll just give it a shot and like that's when it happened like I just didn't care about it and I don't really remember it all happening so much I just like I was just like well I've already landed one I've come here to do what I came here to do and um, I guess it's worth noting that like I had a horrible experience in training like I just I hated big air in training like it was so rough for me because I'm not a, the kind of person that does those like as I said like does those big tricks lots yeah so I was really just like getting in my head about it all and I just kind of was feeling a bit burnt out from the whole Olympics and stuff. And so I was just kind of like, I just didn't care about it anymore. And Mm. then um, I landed it. I did it again on my second run and landed it and went way bigger and it was way cleaner. And I got like hooked up by the judges because they kind of like dogged me on my first run. Mm. And then they're like, all right, fine, we'll we'll hook him up. And I got like a 97.5, I think it was, and qualified first. And... I was like, well, fuck, what do I do now? Like, I don't have any other... I don't know what else to, <laughs> to do, so you know? you threw your aces out there already. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. And in and, and, um, finals, you have to do two tricks. So I'd done this one trick, and I got a 97, and I was just like... And I kind of thought that my run was over, you know? I was just like, oh, well, I've done the best I could. Like, go and, I get to go and, like, do my stuff now, and then... All of a sudden, I got it like, I'm in finals, and I'm like, holy shit. And we had three more days of training. Mm. And um, in those three days, it was like one of the craziest experiences of my life because 
everyone was up the jump throwing their gnarliest tricks like mm. every single run when we were up there someone was doing like a 1440 or a, or a plus or a triple cork every yeah. single run you know so yeah. like you'd stand up there and watch the guy before you drop in and do the gnarliest trick they can possibly do you know and i remember i was trying um like a front side triple front side triple cork 1440 is my other trick mm. i've only ever done one of them before and i just couldn't figure it out i was like i tried so many of them and i couldn't figure it out and i got so worked up because it's terrifying like each time you're like all right well might freaking die on this you know yeah there's some serious consequence yeah yeah so tricks. so each time i was just kind of like you know it was just one of those moments where you like kind of it's worth doing all this it's worth risking all this you know because like it's the only time you're going to properly get to show it off so why not do it now you know so that's kind of what i was thinking and i had worked up so much to this so that i was just like fuck it like i'm like i'm going in you know i've fucking made finals i'm going in and i tried this trick probably like eight times in a row which is like usually i do like two or three and i'm done and i tried this eight times in a row i couldn't get it and i remember grabbing my like only helmet and i just fucking smashed it on the ground and blew it up into pieces and um just like left i like stopped training that was the last day and i just stopped training and then i had to borrow finn's helmet like my mate finn's for the final and then the final came along and i my plan was to do the 16 like switchback 16 and then the front 14 so did the switchback 16 first try didn't get it second try didn't get it and so i was dropping last as well so like i could see what everyone was doing which was like the first time that's ever happened to me this was also my first ever big air final mm. so it's just it's crazy you know and then two two slams in a row which means like you get three chances were these the hits where you were overshooting the whole thing yeah like yeah I yeah, mean, yeah doing so let's put this it's a big fucking jump you were going switch backside and overshooting the fucking thing. Yeah, so... That's kind of bonkers, dude. Well, what... I don't know. What happened was... Which I found out after the fact. I don't know if this is true or mm. if this is just bullshit, but uh, apparently they tilled the jump like another couple degrees, so they made the landing steeper. Oh, yeah. And which makes sense to me because I was... It was happening to me all day that mm. day. And I didn't couldn't understand why because I had this mark on the bill on the boards that I would mm. drop from each time, so they had the same speed. And this day I was just kept going way too big, and apparently they tilted a couple more degrees. Jesus. And I don't I don't know I honestly don't know, but I, I just couldn't crack it and um, kept overshooting. And what happened was, so you get three chances, and you have to do two tricks mm. in the final. So. I, did, I blew up my first tie, so that means I had to land my next two, and I blew it on my second one, so I was just like, uh, do I, what do I do now? Like, do I do a, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't place, like, I can't get any decent results, I don't, I'm not going to get the score, but I've, I'm the last person to drop at the big year at the Olympics, and a shitload of people are going to be watching, you know, mm. and so... Sean, my coach, was like, you should just do the switchback 16 and try and land it. But I was just like, nah, I'm going to do a switchback 5 because um, I just want to do something that people can relate to, you For know? And like, 
that I enjoy doing, you know. Like, all I wanted to do was just do a Switchback 5 that I would feel so done. And I remember having this argument with Sean because he wanted to do, he wanted me to do that to, like, prove it to myself so I could do it. And then I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm doing a Switchback 5. Like, that's what I feel like doing, you know. And so I just dropped in and did a Switchback 5. And that's all she wrote. <laughs> yeah, mean. Yeah. I mean, because um, Jossie talks about something similar with the zero spins, he just did it for the culture sort of thing. Like, yeah. Brand, you know, and- kind of goes back to what we were saying. It's just like what felt good at the time, you mm. know. I, d- I definitely didn't feel like doing a switchback 60, you know. Mm. Fucking shit my pants and then every time, you know. Zoe um, coming back with a medal, was that the same, that was the same day sort of thing? or Yeah, that was like, the next day. That was mm. the next day. Were, were, were you psyched to see that? Like, oh yeah, I couldn't believe it. I more so than anything, I just was psyched to see her snowboarding. You know, because she does the same tricks that um, I really enjoy seeing. You know, so I like I just saw her do them so well and like just nail them. You know, and so I was just I didn't really care that she had won the medal at the time. I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that she just did both those tricks so good. I like couldn't believe it and mm. then afterwards when all the media and stuff happened i was like holy shit she won a medal like that's ridiculous and then after that it's just been all up from there you know for her mm. which has been the coolest thing ever I to mean, watch. how good has it been watching her this summer she's just been on a rampage yeah and that mm. that just like goes to show that like all that stuff that is possible you know for the for like i don't know for anyone that's just like new zealand mm. isn't like it's not possible if you're from New Zealand, you know, it's like, she's just proven that it fully mm. is. And like, Mitch Brown and Sean Thompson are like the two fucking coolest dudes ever to have as coaches. And they've just got the sickest like approach to snowboarding mm. competitively. Like, if I wouldn't choose two other people to have like, on your team, you know, it's just, mm. yeah, they've got such a good crew. So they're, they're kind of the two guys that have helped put New Zealand competitive snowboarding really on the map. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Sean Sean's been huge for that. You know, he's um he's come from a technical background as a um, instructing. He he teaches instructors. You know. Okay. Yeah. So he's no snowboarding like no one else does. And aside from that, he's he's from Aussie. He's a really good surfer, and he gets like he he surfed competitively growing up, so he understands. Yeah, he just gets it, you know, and like mm-hmm. he understands snowboarding culture. Like he's more of a snowboarding geek than I am. Like he'll know more video parts, more songs, and like you know, like really? than I do. You know, he's honestly like one of the most like clued up uh, dudes in snowboarding, and he's so low key and just such a weapon, you know. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Brown is like the complete like. I mean, not in the sense of a snowboard geek, but he's like the complete opposite. They work so differently. Like Mitch has just gone through it and he understands exactly what's going on in, in your brain at the time. Whereas Tomo is like looking at it from a completely different angle. So, so they complement each other very well then. Sort of oh yeah. The perfect combination of yeah, yeah, yeah. yin and yang almost. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just sick. Like I remember having Mitch round was like, cause he wasn't round at the start for me. Mm. Like, um, like in terms of like being on the team and stuff whatever he was like he came in later mm. and um him having him around was just like he would just say stuff to you that would just be like you'd just be like whoa 
that yeah. is exactly how I'm feeling and that's exactly what I needed to hear you know right and just having someone that's been to two Olympics and was kept it so real you know he would go out and like go party and like do all the stuff that like you would want to do as a snowboarder but like have it so dialed that it wouldn't affect like he, he was like the same as Alec he wouldn't like let it affect your snowboarding he would always put like having a good day as riding before anything mm. and but still be relatable you know like he'd yeah. still like yeah he's just a he's just a like, core snowboarder mm. uh, we talked about Zoe um, and uh, there's a couple of things I sort of want to bring up did you see that um, it was a Monster Energy Girls edit that come out yeah and the um, two tricks well she did a whole lot more but two favourite tricks I've seen Zoe do that frontside 360 rewind oh, oh my god yeah that's old, that's like yeah and how's that swag five with the Nicholas Mueller oh god yeah honestly mm. she yeah she just gets it you know mm. she's got it it's good it's mm. like what I was saying earlier like that um she knows how to throw down but then she knows how to like back it up with like just some timeless style and that's mm. like what it comes down to like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like sit here and say like oh like anything over like whatever is just lame like being able to do that stuff is like always going to be incredible to watch but then you kind of have to be able to back it up you know and mm. then with something that's like timeless and she's she's done that really well yeah but mm-hmm. that's like yeah and like she's you hang with her and she just she hasn't changed at all you know mm. it's good it's really good and hopefully she inspires a, a lot of um snowboarders from new zealand you know like That's male and female like it i mean if i was a grom growing up i'd look up to zoe you know like yeah. she would well i think a lot of us like even me at 41s like look up to zoe like if i could, true true yeah yeah you know, even like, i i still i like find like inspiration watch, and, watching her ride and yeah. do some of those tricks it's like let's say that switchback nine at the olympics it's like man if i could do that just once oh, you yeah, know I'd be like, amazed. That yeah, would, yeah. i'd be so stoked you know absolutely um yeah and um speaking of like sort of kiwis and all that um, we talked about influences before was there any sort of new zealand influences you were looking at growing up and that sort of thing yeah so i lived with browner um for like a couple years in queenstown on his couch when i was like 15 Mm -hmm. 14 and 15 and so he was like he was a huge uh influence for me and it was sick because thinking back on it like he fully hooked it up for me he i was from christchurch he let me come down and and like stay at his house for like a week or so at a time Mm. and i'd come down stay with him go ride every day we'd go ride snow park and he'd like he'd come ride with me and like kind of coach me and stuff but uh it was more like just riding with a mate like he was he would just like fire out tricks for me to try Mm. like he'd make he'd made me try like the most crazy stuff when I was a kid, you know? Because he's, like, back in the day, about 2005, he, like, stepped a Chad's gap and shit. Oh, have you? He he back-doubled, he backside-1080'd it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, Mount Baker Road Gap, he's handled as well. Yeah, yeah. He's heavy fucking things. I know. Now that I'm filming more, I'm looking at Browner being like, fuck, like, I have to try and do that kind of stuff to one-up him. Like, that's, like, I don't, I don't, I'm... That stuff is timeless, eh? And that's mm. like, yeah, he's just a 
like absolute beast you know mm. so growing up riding with him when i was a grom was crazy like absolutely crazy and he would watch every single day he would watch a snowboard film before we went riding and he right. he fully like he was like my my teacher you know he would like show me all this all these dvds i that i didn't have access to you know mm. and there was right at the time it was like a year after actually it was it was after go seek had come out and he had a really insane part in that with jay kearney and nick hine and stuff so and then he had a sandbox film um nowhere yeah so those were like we would watch them he's done a lot yeah yeah he rode he rode um a park jump a park shoot with mark mcmorris like the year before he blew up and like like heli like following right beside like buzzing the jump and stuff so brown is like a sly like Mm, he's underspoken you know but like he's yeah the only film parts i've seen of him was the duro movies back then yeah and uh, national Geographic, which i think <laughs> yeah, yeah. had um he was snowboarding to pat benatar and i think that was a chad skip section yeah. yeah i'd love to see that section again that if you look up i think it's called a hectic chad's gap session or like yeah. something like that there's footage of him and the boys just having chad chat yeah oh right it's insane so, but then Later on came like Will J and mm. I didn't really, like I, I obviously knew who he was and I looked up to him big time, but I never saw him riding because I never rode Kajona. Mm. I only rode Snowpark and, uh, and Canterbury Fields. So then I'd like, I'd always like be blown away when I saw him because I was like, fuck, I never get to see this dude ride, you know? Mm. And then the last like three years, he's just fully... As I've explored less park feature stuff and more into the backcountry and kind of dip my fingers into that, um, he's really like taking me under his wing, you know. And cool. I guess it, I guess I, yeah, no, he's just honestly he's done so much. Mm. So and was he assisting you with your film projects, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So he would initially what happened was i just hit him up one day because i really wanted to go ride with him and we were just we just got talking you know on the chair and we were riding tc and he was showing me around some of his favorite spots that he and he would he'd say it in a way that's like you know i'm not gonna just like take everyone out here like you gotta you can like these are places that you want to take people that do the spot justice you know mm. and i was pretty like humbled that he would he would like take me under his wing and show me around a little bit and mm. then i mean if he thinks you're going to do the spot justice that's a huge compliment i know that's what i'm mate. that's what i was thinking so i was kind of like fuck okay like and then we we just had a, the sickest day i remember it was, it was the best inbounds day i've had at like any mountain i was just freaking out and he i just opened my eyes so much i was like how did i not know about any of this and yeah. I was just like, wow, I've got so much to learn. So that's kind of that shot me off. And like, I was already exploring a lot more backcountry and like side country and stuff. And just a lot of, a lot of that really resonated with me at the time. And I think he could see that and he had come from a competitive ish background, you know, and like he knew kind of what I was going through as well. So what happened was I was already kind of, I was like in that transition phase where I was like enjoying free riding a lot more than I was enjoying competitive snowboarding and there was so much more to be done for me in that space than there was in competitive snowboarding mm. and I could see that and Will J could see that that's where my head was at so he was just like 
come with me yeah, <laughs> you know like absolutely. yeah and so he was assisting you on um ruckus too is that right well so what happened was we had um we what really kicked it off after that was we will j and i went uh, went on a heli trip together oh yeah and we i i'd been on a couple of heli trips before and i was just like kind of knew what was happening but i didn't realize how much planning actually had to go into it i kind of thought that they did it all for you and you just had to pick whatever you got given mm. and will j was like nah this is exactly where we're going this is the day that we're waiting for this is the crew that we need this is when we're leaving he was telling like everyone kind of like how it should be in his like humble way you know he wasn't like directing people but he was at the same time you know mm. and um and it was just the most insane day of my life like he i've said that in already in this episode but like mm. that was like one of those experiences i'll never forget you know mm. and so we went up there and we had this day and um we uh, we went back to that spot again for ruckus too and um we, we included shots from the first year so it was kind of like it was kind of like a yeah homage to him as well because he was the one that like took us there and like showed us what it was all about you know rad yeah Boy, we jumped a little bit ahead of ourselves, but sweet. Um, so I, I did want to ask, um, was your Olympic experience, um, when that all sort of, the dust settled from that, was that the um, moment where you just uh, intentionally or unintentionally transitioned to a you know, more of a media-based snowboard profile? Um, yeah, I definitely, as soon as the Olympics finished, I went on a trip to... Oslo mm -hmm. to go film um, rails with Marcus Skin and I knew that Alec Ostring lived there so usually people go and like go chill and like Ibiza I don't know like they just go on holiday yeah. you know and so um, but I'd always had this thing in the back of my mind where I was like I just need to film something that I'm proud of before like I get too deep into the competitive stuff because I just need to know what it's what it's about you know and so I'd done little bits and pieces here and there, but we went to Oslo and um, we went on this rail trip and got shots that I was really stoked on. And I loved it because even though it was just me and Marcus, we also met up with a bunch of different people. And Oslo is such a like dynamic city with snowboarding because they've got Winter Park, which is like I don't know, it's like snow park, but like in the middle of the city, mm. you know. So. And they've got snow, and so you can go ride rails in the city, you know. So you don't get kicked out of spots in the city or anything? Or? <sighs> Hardly. We, we only got kicked out of, like, two spots. All right. And we probably should have got kicked out of there because it was, like, in a residential area, yeah. you know. So fair enough. But, yeah, so we did that. And then I still did competitions for a couple of years afterwards. But pretty much after that year, um, like, I got invited to go shoot with um, Beyond Medals for their movie in Larks. Oh, yeah. And... Um, those are the dudes that I looked up to since I was a kid, you know, and like, I was just, me and Marcus were there and we were just like, absolutely, you know? And so it was just like moments like that where I was just like, oh fuck, like I actually can make something happen here. And I seeing, watching how they did it all and like seeing, I don't know, you always, it's like anything, like you see someone do it and you're like, wow, that's how it's done, you know? Like mm. maybe I could do it, you know? So so this is probably me not having my finger on the pulse here, but mm. uh, who is the? Uh, what are Beyond. some of the riders from the Beyond's Medals crew that I? Oh, that's uh, Kevin Backstrom and and Tor Lundstrom. They're right. uh, two like S Swedish dudes who are just like 
Kevin, I don't know. Kevin's unreal. Yeah. I, I only I only just discovered his Instagram this summer. Oh yeah, he's and insane. holy shit. Like Yeah, no, he's um he's the most badass dude. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. He's such a like just everything that is like snowboarding's about, it's like what I find is good about snowboarding, I was like mm. Yeah, he's got, you know? So yeah. it's fucking sick. And um and he um so is that how he became a part of the Ruckus Two movies and that sort of thing? Yeah, so we we had like known him through like doing a couple shoots here and there and then um he hit us up because he was filming a video and he really wanted to come to New Zealand and have like footage from New Zealand in there because it had been kind of a sketchy winter for them and stuff. So um he wanted to get more shots so he came over and um lived with me and Skinny for a month or so and it was fucked up. Like it was so cool. We went we went to Methvin on this like strike mission, drove down there and scored um, Mount Olympus to ourselves because we got up there and little did we know that it was the UC, like Canterbury University's um, like club field mission and they had like 30 or 40 people in the hut and so we were like, fuck, we've, we're, there's going to be so many people compared to what it's usually like and it's this pristine day mm-hmm. and... We get up there and turns out they're all super hungover and they had a huge party the night before and had to clean up the whole place. And so Kevin has never been to a club field and was just like, you know, like what are all these drunk kids doing here? Like everyone was still wasted in the morning. And so they had to clean up the the hut because they had just destroyed the place the night before. And so uh, we were the only ones that got let out to go ride the field. And so we had probably Mount Olympus to ourselves. So so the ops guys were like, nah, you guys are banned from riding until you clean this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They were like, you fuckers aren't getting up there until you clean the place. Awesome. But uh, so we got Mount Olympus to ourselves, like 30 centimeters of blower. um, Oh my God. For about an hour before anyone got out there. And which is like so many laps at that place. And Mm. then... The next day we went heli in Methvin, which is the first time I've done that, and we got guided by the same dudes who guided everyone from Burden, from all the Burden movies. Yeah. So we got really hooked up with spots there, and like, they were just super good to us, and so it was really windy and really gnarly. We almost freaking died in the in the helicopter. It was so really? gnarly. What what happened? Like- we went to try and land on this ridge, and as we went to land, the the wind was supposed to be nothing, and as we went to go over this ridge, the wind just flew up over the blades and pretty much flipped us straight backwards. And Holy so, shit. Uh, the pilot, it was like, it was crazy. It, it was like a snap of the finger, the wind picked up, and especially as we came over this ridge. And so, we got flipped, it felt like straight backwards, and we did this huge loop, almost like a backflip. And I remember Kevin grabbed the pilot's seat and was like hanging on to it. Because he thought, he just, natural reaction, you know? Mm. And the guides are trying to, like, swipe his hands off from the pilot's seat because that's where he gets all his, like, you know, feedback from. Mm. And so, Kevin's hands got swiped off by the guides and then we fly around, do this other, this huge loop and feel like, I thought we were going to smash into the mountain for sure, but then we, we come up and there's a really good pilot and we just, like, try to do the same thing and the, this exact same thing happens twice in a row. Fuck and so we hell. were just, like losing it and he comes in from the other angle and puts the heli down and the guides are talking to him and then all of a sudden he just says like oh yeah so you guys want to go ride that like 
line over there without even like acknowledging what had just happened <laughs> and so kevin was just like fuck but uh <laughs> no we aside from that it was a sick day <laughs> yeah 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 oh man and i mean fuck a moment like that it'd be like i'm never stepping in my death box <laughs> yeah again like, that'd we be had terrifying yeah there's been some hectic uh, stuff especially with I mean, I mean, shit, how did Kevin go with his first time in Nutcracker? Because I got fucking destroyed by those things. Oh, to his credit, he, he did a really good job, yeah. 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 He got the hang of it. Mm. But it's definitely sketchy, mm. yeah. But, yeah. And um, were you uh, filming and writing with, like, was Starley around at this time too? Yeah, all, all so... All those dudes? So what happened was with that, um, it kind of all came through with Monster. Um, okay. getting on Getting on with them and, like... That all happened after the Olympics. I went to Audi 9s and rode with them and kind of just, like, fit in with the Euro team over there. Like, the, especially the Monster Energy guys. They were, like, they were all there and the team manager was there at the time. And, like, uh, I just got along with all those boys. Like, Sebe de and Ethan Morgan, Haldor, um, and, like, so, so many of those, of that crew, like, Kevin, Tor. I don't know, there's, there's so many people that are just like all the dudes that I thought are the sickest you know so Starley came into it kind of around that time when I'd already seen him a bunch of knowing him through competing mm. but then they would all come down and like crash at our place in New Zealand and like at one point we had like 12 people in our house and it was like yeah like Sebet, Ethan, Zach, uh, Sage, uh, Kevin like it was just <laughs> and I looked around and I was just like like this is and like me and Marcus just were renting this house and then all of a sudden there was like literally my all my favourite snowboarders were just sitting in there with us. You have to pinch yourself I'm like, damn I'm in good company here. Like, yeah, but I didn't even have time to, like it was so hectic. We just yeah. like it was just it was so living in that situation was sick because it was mm. like one person wanted to do something and everyone had no choice but to do it, you know, because we're also like easily convinced. We were just mm. like one person wants to go snowboarding and everyone's in the van even if it's the shittiest day you know and then one person cracks a beer and all of a sudden there's a party happening with like people around you know so it was just it was just like it took nothing for like everything to happen Mm. and yeah it was just the sickest group of people and it's a shame that they couldn't come back this last year because Mm. i've realized that it's like a huge thing for like those guys to come over otherwise Mm. Yeah. Well, I have so much respect for that Starley dude. Yeah. Um, he's he's like Cadrona's like Cadrona's staff yeah. favorite dude. He's oh really? Got, oh man, I have I have a, one of my favorite moments of my twenty two years at Cadrona revolves around Starley and one of my staff members. Oh, you should tell am him. I, am I able to tell her? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, it's two thousand seventeen, and I had this um, Scottish girl working for me, Haley. G fucking C and yeah. then I had this uh, Scottish dude Kyle working for me as well mm. and Ailey she was just I mean they were both awesome people and uh, and uh, she she was having a tough season we, we all had a tough season I can't yeah, I won't yeah. take it any further than that but um, we were talking one day on a night shift and about favourite pros and obviously my head stuck in the 90s a little I didn't really know who current people were too much yeah, and I was like, I was like, you know, as all our listeners would know, they'd be like, "Oh, well, my favorite dude is Jamie Lynn." Yeah, yeah, yep. he's the reason I snowboard. And she's like, "Yeah, that's my dude." With that is Starley, 
And I was like, who's... Like, like, I, I kind of yeah. knew the name because of just working with Ryan McDermott and stuff, mm-hmm. but I didn't pay any attention. And she's like, and but the the same lecture I gave about how Jamie Lynn's my dude and the reason I snowboard, she mirrored that but replaced that name with Starley. I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And uh, and and so I was like, oh, okay, show us. And so she pulled up his Instagram and. And it wasn't all triples and twirly bird shit. Mm. He was doing proper snowboarding, mm. and and she was showing me these Instagram videos of like mini shred that was like McTwist off bumps almost and stuff. And and so I followed right away. I was like, this dude's unreal. This dude's sick, yeah. And so anyway, she's having yeah, as as we mentioned, uh, a real tough season. And Ryan was actually out, and Ryan was working with the Norwegian team. Mm. And um, we're hanging out one night, and I was like, right, I'm. This is awkward of me to ask this, but I'm going to. So, mm. um, I've got this girl. She's awesome. That works for me, Ailey. She's just a GC. She's having a tough time. Um, Starley's actually your favourite dude. Like, and um, dude, if there's ever a couple of, if you've ever had some time, even though everyone's busy, to come and say what's up, like it would really be something, mm. you know. And uh, and Ryan, to his credit, he's like, oh. Oh, Starley's a good kid, and uh, I'll tell him, and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. He, he'll make the time. I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. And then, um, and then Ryan left a couple of weeks later, and I'd totally forgotten about the conversation anyway. And it was my day off, and I got this random picture of a Rome snowboard, and I didn't put two and two together with Ailey holding this Rome snowboard. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why are you sending me this shit? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You got, you got a sn- what? You know? Yeah, do you need a hand like tuning it? Then, yeah, yeah. It's like, like, I hired you. You know what to do. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just do it. And then um, Kyle pipes up on the messenger as well. And is like, is this a, is this a Fat Tony special? Like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, yeah. like I'm going to switch the phone off. And, and then, you know, and then they just, they were being so cryptic. And like, so I sent... Kyle message I think to be like you guys better fucking come clean because I'm over this already this is my day off we're yeah, all yeah, kind yeah. of stressed you know and I got sent um, from both of them uh, pictures of them and Starlight I was like oh my fucking god he what he did and um, and so at work the next day they were there they were like oh fuck tell me about yesterday yeah and they're like oh my god that was the coolest thing ever it's like well, it's like they're like we were suspicious he came in and asked for a wax and the board clearly didn't need wax yeah and um and then they um he just asked politely if he could come and hang out in the workshop for a few minutes yeah and the you know yeah. yeah yeah and then um you know hung out for pictures was giving Ailey tips on front boards or something and invited him <laughs> to go shred yeah you know all these things and yeah. then um it literally turned her season from really tough yeah to like finishing on the high yeah yeah and uh like yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was like I've got that picture on my workshop wall yeah and I look at it every day and I'm like fuck yes that's you know? what it should be about and that right there is a professional snowboarder yeah you well know? I mean like right. yeah just a good person eh mm. like I just think uh, I mean yeah everyone's so no. busy with stuff and like Will J is such a good person mm. to like tie that back to. Like, yeah, I remember my mate Mitchell Davin. He's a young up and coming snowboarder. He invited like Mark McMorris, 
Will J, like all these pros around his house for dinner this one night, like mm. when he was super young and he's probably going to be like, you dog for telling this story, you know, <laughs> but it's a good story. And he, Will J actually showed up, sat down, had dinner with Mitchell Devon and his family when he was, I don't know, eight or 10 years old. Mm. And just like, you know, like, I don't know, it's, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'd do that. But then like, fuck, it's pretty sick that people like go out of the way to do stuff like that. And it's yeah. just... It's not a big thing, you know. He got cooked in it, but like, it's just mm. respectful, you know. And it's that's cool. the same with, say, that Starley story. It's like, he didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. But that's one person that's going to buy a Starley Pro Model anything for the rest of their life now. Oh, you know? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. It just makes sense, you know. Mm. Good, uh, good karma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I mean, um, that's a good story. Yeah, man, it was, uh, that was just so cool. Yeah, yeah, and it was he's nice. Starley's, to... Starley's the coolest dude. He'd do that. He'd do that. You know, he's probably mm. done that a lot of for a lot of people. You know, and oh, like, it's pretty funny when yeah. you know when he's in town because most of uh, Cadrona staff um, on Facebook their profile pictures get changed to a picture of them and Starley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, makes sense. That's rad. good. Uh, I did want to ask you with um, <clears throat> when we um, went to the premier ruckus too. I thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing start to finish like um and i'm not really much of a rail guy or anything mm. and um but the rail riding in that movie absolutely floored me and uh i think it was a an interesting uh sort of the spot selection was like a lot of quirky spots and that sort of stuff like are you at, were you actively out searching for that or was it just stuff that just came away and like, how can I handle this shit? Or? Well, Ruckus 2 was a really interesting one because we planned to go away for a year and come back with, a, like, a film, you know? Mm. And so we had way more time to think about where we wanted to go. And in some ways that worked, in some ways it didn't. Like, we just... we Sometimes we, it turned out to plan and sometimes it didn't. And we kind of just had to roll the punches. But um, it's like, you know how we're talking about um spencer schubert and all those boys coming to new zealand for mm. uh to film their thing they'd never come here they weren't predisposed to like what you should do like what like you know like they just came in with fresh eyes and it was just like away you go and that's kind of how it was for us like um marcus what happened was it was me marcus seb judge so that those two were the filmers and then there would usually be a couple other writers so it was usually Sai moran or bryce Bugero or like I don't know, some of the people involved, Zach Hale and stuff. And so we'd roll around and we'd spend like hours and hours driving around cities finding spots. Like we would, we, there's this famous quote from, um, I think it was um, uh, one of the boys in Quebec. I can't remember which one. And they would just say it like saying you must like, because Quebec is just the most general like rail riding spot. There's so many mm. famous spots there, but they're just saying you have to go on scope stuff. Even we'll tell you where to go but like you have to go and scope stuff because fresh eyes and whatever and just you know so we found spots that no one had ever hit in Quebec and we found spots that no one had ever hit in all the other places that we went to just because we would drive around aimlessly just being like you know when you drive around like everyone does it like if you skate everyone you do it like drive around and be like oh fuck imagine yeah. front smith on that you know whatever you know it, mm. but you're never going to do it but then finally well you might but sometimes you get the chance we you can do it and we so we were just like fully going for it just driving around for ages trying to find spots but um 
It's crazy. Going on a street trip is the most absurd way to snowboard because yeah. you live in a city, you have to, most of your challenge is finding speed because yeah. natural speed is like way more enjoyable. You know, you don't have to fucking pull a bungee or a winch or something. Mm. We only used one bungee, I uh, know one winch in all of Ruckus 2. The rest was natural speed. Yeah. And, um, or like drop-ins or something, you know, so yeah it's just a completely different challenge you have to you're living in a city using a airbnb like go out to nice restaurants if you feel like it or get mcdonald's or whatever you know like it's mm. just it's so crazy so it was cool mm. but i think yeah ruckus 2 was like a huge um a huge change for me like <clears throat> it was a big thing because i was wasn't satisfied with, with the first film with ruckus one like i i thought it was cool but um and i was kind of happy with it but I just was so unsatisfied by the final product of my writing and I was like I really want to go out and put out something that's like that I'm I don't know like rep- that represents what I'm trying to get out mm. and I had so much in my head that I had pulled from other things like a lot of surf videos and skate videos and like snowboard videos all pulled into one and I just knew exactly how I wanted it to look and the hard thing was just pulling off like locations and like i was really lucky lucky that marcus was the one filming because like mm. he shared the vision with me and i could talk to him exactly how i like th- could see it yep. and he'd be like all right fuck you yeah, i get that and he would either do it w- exactly how we imagined or with his own like twist and make it even better you know mm. so i thoroughly enjoyed that movie um uh, everything about it like I'm I don't normally watch rail or urban sections like I respect mm. that stuff but it's just not what I watch in snowboarding yeah 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 and I thoroughly enjoyed that rail section and I was like and then the the soundtrack there was a Jesus and Mary chain which so like I'm already hooked when I hear that yeah yeah and then there was some <laughs> heavy metal band at the end I, I did I, and it's like I didn't even know who that was but it was so fucking cool yeah and and it was a nice it was rad you sort of had started out with Jesus and Mary chain and it was that whistler jump session sort of yeah, thing yeah. And, and then the rail yeah and then it transitioned into you guys going ape shit at Mount Cook and TC with this heavy metal soundtrack I was like this is fucking great like, yeah well we pulled we pulled a lot of inspiration from like I don't know different spots but the big thing was that I wanted to I'd always ridden pow and rails and like I'd always just kind of want to ride whatever's at hand you know or in front of me and that was Mm. a big thing growing up and so i kind of was like why film like only pow or only street like i just want to like i just want to do everything and see what happens and like i'm not going to put too much pressure on myself to do like anything you know i just want to go and do it and see what happens and so that's kind of just what happened like we i was still competing full time um but i managed to squeeze in trips here and there and so because I was competing, those trips just felt so like, like it was just a full breath of fresh air. Like I could, I didn't have anyone around me telling me what to do. I literally could hang out with my mates and just fuck around if I wanted to, or I could be like as productive as I could, you know, and it, and it always was be as productive as I could. Mm. And it was all off my own back with my own money that I'd sourced from various places like sponsors and stuff. And so it was a lot of work that went into it. And so like, I just had complete control over like how it was going to pan out, you know? Mm. So I was like, fuck, I may as well like invite my mates and like make it fun and like mm. 
ride with the people that I don't usually ride with that I wish I could, you know? So, like, first on the list was JJ. Yeah. And we, like, he flew out to Mount Hood and we built all those jumps and that dude works hard as, like, anyone I've ever met, you know? Like, mm. so we built, like, for three days straight, building this one spot, uh, that step up. Mm. And, we, and on the last day of building, we finished it, walk around to scope the land because we had scoped the landing it was good mm. walk around to see to see it from the top and there was two huge rocks in the landing like because it was spring and it was just melting yeah and there was two huge rocks in the landing so we were so disheartened we had to fucking walk up there and like change the entire trajectory of the end run to like send us off this other way because otherwise we would land right in the rocks you know and so it's pretty yeah. stuff like that but like I don't know it's just when that session happened and JJ got his like double front roll over that yeah. step up and I got my trick and Sai got his trick and like we'd spent three days building like I would have I'd take that over a day at like at a competition you know yeah. like it's so much harder work but it's so much more like rewarding so f- film projects would give you a sort of <clears throat> that's awesome because you're more your own boss sort of thing of what you want to achieve but at the same time there's a different total different pressure yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. huge huge difference like it's it's more just that like you can you start off with an idea like i had the songs in my head before like this project started you know Mm -hmm. and so like i could just see it all working in front of me and like um i'm quite like i'm quite like visionary in terms of like how i want stuff to look Mm -hmm. especially and and like for it to be portrayed the right way because I think it's one thing to be snowboarding and building all this stuff and, and riding, but like all those tricks have been done before and all the, you know, it's like, it's all about like spot selection and how you ride it and how it's like edited and, mm. and the music and stuff. Sort so how you present. Yeah. How you present it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's, that was huge for me. And like the pressure wasn't from, like oh my god these guys have like given me money i need to like you know i was just yeah. like fuck this this is such a crazy chance for me to like finally get this shit out of my head and like make it happen and there's so many people that have done it before me that have done such a sick job of it that i like i know how i want it to look and i take that shit on and want to i don't know do it my little spin on it you know mm. so ruckus 2 was definitely a lot of that like the heavy metal song at the end was kind of like a huge inspiration from like the 90s um, kind of like style of snowboarding. We filmed a lot of it on a old VCR, on like a mini DV dad cam, and like mm. a lot of the in-between shots and like just to kind of get a lot of that look and we wanted that grungy, like we didn't want to put like Nirvana to it because that's, I'd love to, but it's like we wanted to put something fresh to it that gave that kind of feel you know so that's where that came from and we'd already used a lot of like nostalgic bands for me like we used brian jonestown massacre jesus and the mirror chain well jesus and mirror chain and then like um marcus had used a song from a movie that he really liked uh a quentin tarantino movie so there was all like reasons why we chose all the songs you know mm. and then that song at the end was like the modern kind of like twist to it <laughs> we had to but with a modern yeah 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 mm. Oh, cool, man. It must have felt pretty fucking cool to, like, have that 
fuck me, it actually turned out how I wanted. Yeah, well, and there it is forever. Sort of fuck thing. yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like I'm still trying to figure out how we did it because we're so, like, I don't know. We're just motivated as fuck, I guess, and like. Mm. I'm so that's the kind of shit that I want to keep doing is stuff that like no one else is telling you how to do it not that it's a bad thing but like no one else is telling you it's all the inspiration is coming from like something that's like it's like a fire lit under your ass Mm. to like go and get shit done and like I snowboarded probably more days that season than I ever have you know Mm. and it's because I was like it was all off my own back to go ride and I just was Mm. fucking loving it you know and like so was that a motivating factor to a fuck? This is financed by my bank account. I better come up with something as well. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I paid for a lot of it, but like, um, we definitely had support from like sponsors and stuff too. Mm. But I think, um, I don't know. Like, m- more than anything, it was just having this idea, and we'd committed to it, and like, we had started it, and it had been going really well. So like, I was, I just got really focused on the um on like the creative the creativity of it because it was it took away all the shit from snowboarding that mm. was clouding me at the time and just bring with the purity back to it of like exa- like anyone can have that of like going and if, even if you film a turn on your first day snowboarding you look at that and you're like whoa that was sick you know and yeah. like you get to see that and like I'm not saying that I enjoyed watching all my own snowboarding cuz I'm really critical of that. Like, I still think that I could have done a lot better at all the spots. But, like, it was more just the the creative vision of it all coming together. It's also was, nice yeah. to have these things to show for what you're doing. Like, yeah. I have this thing with my seasons where it's like I've got to get one riding shot, even if it's just a, a powder turn. Mm. Then, I, then I can look back through my photos and go, cool, I did more than just make dumb faces at the camera. Like, I've got, <laughs> I've got something there. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and... Yeah, a huge thing for me like what you said like that and is that i would go to all these spots and only ride the same run a lot Mm. and i'd be looking around and being like whoa there's sick terrain here but i never got to explore it properly like Mm. i would have to it would sacrifice something like i'd have a huge day training for a competition and then i'd have to go if i wanted to go explore i'd have to go afterwards and then i'd be like more tired for the next day or something you know like and so i just got this chance to go and explore and exploring was like a huge part of it for me because I never I got the chance to go and travel really young which I'm I'm sounding ungrateful for because it's not I was super grateful for that but then I just saw it opened my eyes to the world a lot more and I just saw these other things that I was like one day I want to come back and revisit that and Mm. revisit this and that and like so I was just traveling around a lot and seeing what took my fancy and then after when the time came when the appropriate time came i was just like sweet now's the time to go and like do that you know yeah which is pretty fun sweet and um on a bit of a sideways turn um you were involved with uh, obsidian last year yeah um how was that experience um that was kind of crazy because they flipped the whole um competitive like mold Mm. and did something different and I thought it was sick. They even involved filming in it, you know? Like, mm. they had to film and edit at Cadrona T... Oh, no, Cadrona TC... No, Remarks TC or Corian Coronet, P. yeah. And so, that was pretty sick. Because who think, was um, your captain? Uh, we got Jossie. Oh, that's a good captain. 
good captain and yeah. Will J, who should have been our captain as well. Oh, well. <laughs> so we had yeah we had Jossie and Will J. So like, I mean, it's hard for us not to win. You know? <laughs> we like honestly we had the sickest team. I think we had the most injuries though, which kind of doesn't surprise me because we all just we were like riding so good mm. like together as a crew. You know that yeah. like one person did something and we just like chipped away. Who was on your team? All up. So, so it was oh, Jossie, yourself, Will J, Craig Murray, yeah, um, and well, we had Claire uh, McGregor and oh, what was who else? Oh, was a Hackett. Was oh it? yeah, Margot. Yeah, yeah, Margot. But then she hurt herself. And we had another girl come in, um, and Jossie hurt himself. So we had um, Jamissa, this dude from Canterbury, come in oh, with yeah. us um, as another skier. So yeah, it's pretty. So sad. I was pretty hyped on you guys. Um, coronet edit. Yeah, like, like um, going like that was the the best day for me. Mm. Um, like I had a really good run at uh, like all the events. Like I had a great time, but like that coronet day was the sickest because mm. just just for the other for the same reasons, it was just like riding with the with the crew and just having a sick mm. time. And you guys knocked off so many classic coronet spots as well. Oh yeah, like, when we got told we got coronet because it's the luck of the draw what you get and we got coronet and we're like oh yeah side hit it's on side yeah hit. yeah it's on Central that place. we just yeah. were like will j between will j jossie craig and i and like a couple of the people hadn't been there too much but we just had so many like bangers that we knew that were just lined up ready to go mm. our, our ski patrollers had even lined up stuff for us to hit there they really? were like marked off stuff so that we could hit wow the dude broke himself off first run because he hit like a 40 foot 50 foot like tussock gap and came up short and like smashed his knee so our ski patrollers were like sending it for us they were like this is everything that you guys need like go for it you know and so that even like yeah marked it off it was crazy (laughs) they were all over it but we were we yeah no it was sick we had a sick we had a great time because it was it looked like a really cool I mean I'm an outsider looking in with this but it looked like a really cool event and then it's the first time I'd actually taken an interest in competitive riding in mm. general. Yeah. And then, and then when they started announcing these teams, I was like, the the, the, was the captains was Janina, Sam, and Jossie. was like, whoa, that's heavy. Yeah. And then they announced the teams. I was like, oh my God, I don't think I've seen more evenly stacked bunch of teams. I know, like, yeah. <laughs> they did so well. And like, it's sick because everyone gives it all a go like you Mm. maybe you're not maybe it's your first time riding a big line you know and you're like wow this is hectic but then the guys that usually ride big lines have to stand up there and hit the slope style jump or the big air jump and you're like you know you have your days that you're but it it just goes to show who like snowboards or skis like you know like in in a lot of different environments and like a lot of different ways to enjoy it you know it's not Mm. just like doing like doing this the whole time and not and like i don't think anyone didn't show that like everyone was good at that you know like everyone was like took interest in everything you know it was just sick so everyone was fairly adept yeah yeah everyone did so well yeah like tian you'd think is like a quite like slope style and bigger kind of rail focused guy but he he came second i think or third in the second i think in the big mountain and mm. like he just he just like put his head down and nailed it you know it's yeah. sick and like cool to see him like get the chance to go and do stuff like that whereas like 
um, you know, like there's just a lot of good examples of like that from that event, which is cool. Rad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so cool to watch. And while we're on the subject of events and stuff, um, we've seen you bobbing around a bunch at the Mini Pipe Champs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to get my name on that trophy. Oh, has, it, has that not happened yet? <laughs> nah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it hasn't happened. So I remember like seeing Guy grill you over the mic about landing McTwists or something. And oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a McTwist. I don't know. I've tried so many McTwists, and that's the hardest trick in snowboarding for me. Like, I just... I get it, but, like, I also don't. Mm. <laughs> to do them, like, proper, you know? Like, mm. not a cork 540, like a, a McTwist. Imagine how Mike McGill must have felt the first time on a skateboard when he did one. Like, oh my god! Like, where did that? Like, I don't. I still don't understand how you like think up a trick like that. Yeah, and especially when I mean, I I don't know. I mean, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nah. That's a sick event. Like, that's pretty much the only event to train toward. Nah, (laughs) it's like it's like it's like this easily the the best event it's stuff like that's the kind of stuff that needs we need more of you know mm. yeah and um while we're on that subject did i hear something that you were trying to organize yeah sort of well i don't know like we talked about it earlier but um we for my like vision of snowboarding culture in new zealand I feel like a huge part of it is isn't being represented at all. Like people, um, not that it has to be. Like who cares? You know, you do it for yourself and for your mates and like to have a good time. But like, I just would love to like see um, a bit of like a a culture and like a a place, a community where it's like inclusive for everyone that snowboards that has no like uh, pretense or like you know like it's just a place where people can come and hang out and they get to like meet other like-minded people and i feel like that had that was the case with um new zealand snowboard association and like having you know like a core well i don't want to say core having like a having a group of people that really cared about snowboarding running the organization and having events that would like promote snowboarding to other people and bring in a community of like like-minded people that could enjoy the day you know mm. and i feel like at the moment not without taking anything away from snow sports new zealand they've definitely put this direction in uh in snowboarding in new zealand where like you have a great opportunity to compete and travel so and do all the stuff they sort of fulfill a good niche for what they're doing yeah they do a great job yeah. of that but um that's that shouldn't be the only way you know like um mm. i just think that there should be a broader um uh, like a, a different like just a completely mm. different representation of snowboarding in new zealand mm. and like i took a lot of uh inspiration from like surf clubs in in australia and yep. like they have their own little clubs in each in each town and stuff and you know they go there for beers and they've got the it's like a bowls club you know they've got the they go there and they've just got like a place to hang out and like Mm. a community around it but then it can go further than that you know like i just think that um if you're a kid like the amount of kids growing up snowboarding right now not all of them are going to go out and want to do competitions and Mm. that shouldn't be like frowned upon 
um, the people that want to go out and do competitions should 100% go and do that and they should like fucking dip in you know mm. but the kids that don't they should also be okay with not doing competitions and, mm. and like still being supported and like have a community around them that it's like fuck yeah you're still the man you know yeah <laughs> or you're yeah. still the like yeah you're still an amazing treader you know and like um, I think that Ewan spoke really well about it and I've talked to Guy about it and I've talked to you about it and I'm just I just want to start up something that's for snowboarders yeah just full stop and like have a night where we can just just start it off small like have a night where we can get together once once a year that we can just celebrate snowboarding and just like have show off movies give off like piss take awards for like I don't know best slam or like whatever do you know mm. like just stuff that doesn't really matter and then have like bands play and like for groms to meet like mm-hmm. you know the dudes that are above them like Bull J or Dill or Ollie or like whoever mm-hmm. it is you know and like or like yeah Drew or Shelly or like whoever wants to come on Christy Zoe like get everyone involved and just have a place a melting pot where like people can just get in the mix and like when they go up the hill the next day they're like oh yeah I know that person from the that night and they mean this you know mm. and like they can maybe get in touch with them and like you know i don't know just something that's like brings it back again sort of more of an inclusive collective exactly sort of thing. yeah so so watch the space listeners yeah i need to figure out a name for it right. i don't know whether to go like traditional or just abstract <laughs> and crazy so <laughs> it, it'll come yeah. but like yeah i mean you say like in uh ewan's episode it's like i'm it was so cool for I entered the nationals when I was sixteen. Mm. No fucking way was I ever going to do any good. But but who I, cares? It didn't matter. Yeah. I, I I wasn't at school for a few days, so that was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to see these people I absolutely looked up to in the magazines. Like I got to see them in the flesh, riding in front of me, and that was just still to this day. Like yeah, yeah. And you then know. you come down and you go to an after party. Mm. and you see them like at the party and you get to like hang out you know it's like yeah not that that doesn't happen because everyone still hangs out but it's just like why not make something of it you know there's mm. the sickest culture in new zealand not just wanaka like in all of new zealand there's like i've traveled around and seen other people's other countries perspectives on it and new zealand has like one of the coolest snowboard communities mm. so why not like do something for it? Mm. i don't know i just feel like it so should I happen think- it might have been Dill mentioned something off the mic where he was sort of saying like, oh, the Nationals were cool, not necessarily because it was a competition, but the whole country would descend on, it was usually at Cadrona, mm. the whole country of, you know, the riders would all descend and you kind of see where everyone that was at because like the Otago dudes had a different style than the Canterbury dudes and the North Island dudes yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that stuff. And, yeah. and then you sort of see where everyone's at and... Be like, no way, I never thought of that like that. Fuck that. You know, and... Yeah, and people say, like... Yeah, I just think that it's so important for New Zealand snowboarding, and it's a small country, and it's spread out and stuff, but, like, it's usually just one flight away, and, like, I know snowboarding's super expensive, as it is, and Mm. we don't want to make... It's not something like a money-making venture or anything. It's, like, needs to be something that's free for everyone to just get involved in, and, um that's kind of the mission so mm. once i 
finally come up with a name, then we can start doing stuff. <laughs> I'm just so bad with names. So if any of you guys have any ideas, <laughs> uh, just hit me up because, yeah. Mm. Got everything else. Got the vision. Just need the name. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. Mm. It'll come. In this day and age, as, as a professional snowboarder, um, how is it being a pro in sort of what the age of social media is? Like, I see on Instagram, I see a lot of things. Like, I follow, like, the pros I like and all that shit. But then you've got all, like, influences and shit. Mm. And, like, how, how is that for you guys? Is that sort of... I mean, that kind of comes back to, like, the whole creativity of it all. Like, I try to not think about it a hell of a lot. Like, I don't actively post, like, a certain amount of times a week. Like, I usually... I, to be honest, like I have, re- I really look up to certain people, and it's not necessarily snowboarders, but just cert- look up to certain people and how they carry themselves and how they've made like something of being like in the situation, you know. Mm. And um, some people just do it in a really like classic way, even though it's something so new. And like, I'm definitely like trying not to take too much importance on it like i've realized that it's just it's just another thing but mm. you definitely have to be active and like post the stuff that you think is cool but mm. yeah i just think it's just another thing another thing to look at creatively and i try yeah i i try and i try and include like the most i don't know like the best representation of what i enjoy doing mm. but um at the same time like it's still so like posting stuff that's personal to me like if I don't know like I spent a whole summer in New Zealand traveling around with my girlfriend and like I never get the chance to do that you know and Mm. usually I'm away and um she would have to come visit me or like we'd only get these certain little chances so like Mm. I don't mind like posting a photo of me hanging out with Sierra and like you know like still it's still a memory for me that i enjoy so um that's just important as posting a snowboard so photo instagram is not going to replace the video part anytime soon then how no i think i was going to say that like i usually just put clips of stuff from yeah <laughs> video <laughs> parts but no i don't get the same satisfaction out of posting something like it's short term and it's forgotten straight away yeah. just like kind of like a snowboard competition like you're ingrained in that competition and it's never going to take away from you but the next year something like the next week something else is going to happen people are going to forget you know whereas like I still watch snowboard clips from like the 90s and you know like mm. I, and from earlier and, and those things are still timeless you know and like done the right way and like with the right intentions and the right mm. thoughts you've then, kind yeah. of reminded me of something like there's uh a very timeless shot of Ingemar Bachmann and Rick, Rick Scranson about 25 years ago where he oh, chucks us... The method. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, method. Yeah, that freaking 30-foot like, method, yeah. It was, like, for the time, huge. And that was, like... Um, uh, please correct me in the comments if I'm wrong on this, um, listeners, but pretty sure that was, like, after the competition was done. And... You know, like, 25 years later, no one remembers who won the competition. No one remembers what yeah. tricks were done, but everyone remembers that. And it was a, a straight air, you know, like a, a method, you know, which is not a bad trick. It's fucking awesome. But 
you know, there there was more mm. technical things happening during the day, surely, but here we are 25 years later talking about a method. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and the stuff like that, and like, yeah, I think, I don't know, I just think that that stuff's the coolest, and like, mm. I'm never gonna take away from anything in snowboarding, because it's so individual to someone, but... Mm if collectively people think about that more than something else that happened that day then and it was 25 years ago then it kind of means something you know <laughs> yeah 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 and so it'd be kind of similar with your video parts right like yeah yeah you know, and like yeah video yeah i mean i will think back at like snowboarding contests and be like holy shit that and watch the run and be like that was so that feeling was insane you know because mm. it was that moment at that time and of my life and stuff and like i'm sure i really want to i'd really want like young kids if they're listening to this to be like stoked on competition riding because mm. i was so stoked on it and it's not like it's not cool or like anything like that it's just that um and right now in my like time like i just enjoy doing other stuff as well you know and so like mm. i think that whole thing of looking back and being like oh yeah that's like for the right mm. like that reminds me of exactly what I was doing at, the, at that time in my life like video parts are really good mm. for that so um you brought up young young kids what advice would you have for aspiring pro shredders um ooh, I, I just think that don't take it too seriously just do it for like the re- the fu- like the fun of it and I guess everyone says that but just don't take it too seriously and like ride with people that are like-minded and that you have that you enjoy riding with because stuff will just happen from that like all my opportunities came from just like riding with people that i like enjoyed or looked up to and like enjoyed riding with or looked up to and like yeah just have fun with it and just enjoy it for what it is because you could be stuck in school or like yeah. doing something way worse you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah oh sweet and a little bit of a segue, there's a one undergrounds rider we haven't talked about in New Zealand, who's also your bandmate, Len Wiley. Oh, yes. Right. Do you want to talk about <laughs> Len for a little bit? Fuck yeah. So, Liam, the first memory I have of Liam was riding the big jumps at Cadrona and uh, cut off a, a denim vest, like sleeves cut off with like band patches all over it and a goon mask with no oh with like a skate helmet and i was like who the fuck is that and i thought he was way older than us Mm. and um yeah and then so i got to know him and like he's quite like um he's shy when you first meet him but like he's one of those dudes that just like the more you get to hang out with him like just the better like the better mates you become and it's just like you can see he's honestly one of the coolest dudes and he um he is one of the he just like has the sickest eye for snowboarding he looks up to like a lot a really heavy skate influence um mm. and people that take them to snowboarding like scott blum and um and that especially that californian crew and i don't know i just always thought that, that was really sick and that was really different to like what i looked up to growing up so i, mm. I always thought that his like taste was a lot cooler than mine because it was more niche and like particular and especially with his taste in music and his way the way he dressed and stuff so i always thought that he was sick and i always thought that like expressing yourself like that is really cool like mm. the way you dress and like the way you like put yourself out there is important you know so i just thought that he had it 
like way more dialed than I did, you know, yeah. especially at such a young age. So yeah, we just been hanging out heaps recently and well, not recently, but like the last four years or so. And like he, um, we lived with each other for a year in Monica in the coldest flat ever. And then, um, just he kind of moved to Dunners, but would always come over and see us and stuff every weekend and has always been pretty true to like going up riding every chance he gets and he studied music production and we'd always the first year we lived together we always talked about starting a band um and I just kind of started learning guitar and he was teaching me and stuff and um I knew how to play I played drums like I got taught when I was a kid real young but like kind of stopped and then recently he just um he's kind of like blown up in every sense of the term like he's been snowboarding so so well he's got shots in this video that we're about to put out um we went on a three-day we got dropped up in the mountains in a heli with no guide or anything just three of us ah no five of us i think six of us and three nights in a tent and we built all our own features within walking distance and uh, he just got the most insane shots in that, like some of the coolest shots I think in the video, all on this like crazy fish board that Burden um, that he won in the Mini Pipe World Champs. Oh, right. He rode that that whole trip, Sick. and then um, yeah, and then we started a band together and with Charlie, one of my best mates from Christchurch, and JJ. Mm-hmm. He so Charlie plays keys and JJ plays bass, and we kind of were just like fucking around at the start, and then somehow i can't even remember how it came about we got a gig at fitzy's and they were like oh yeah we only take three hour sets like our sets are three hours and so we had never played a gig except for at someone's house and we were playing like an hour max like just punk songs that lasted like two minutes and Mm -hmm. some like bangers you know and so we were just like fuck three hours so we learned so many songs we learned like we we got our set up to about two hours we're like with breaks we can like push it to two and a half you know so mm. we learned heaps of songs and we just kind of like got our like groove together really concisely for how long we'd been playing because we just had to learn so much in such little time and liam's just he's the front man he's a singer guitarist and just pretty much holds the group together because everyone else is pretty like I don't know, Charlie's pretty good at keys, but me and JJ are just kind of like bashing away, you know? <laughs> Liam's the like legit one in the band, so, um, but yeah, it's been sick, we played like three gigs at Fitzy's, my mum's 50th, and awesome, um, and another couple gigs, so, mum's 50th was the sickest though, They yeah. she, her, she had a punk themed 50th, and all her mates went so hard, like they went so much harder than what we would do, what we would like dress up as so right. it was crack up but yeah we've we've got two gigs lined up we've got um a gig at we got three lined up we got a gig in queenstown at um yonder on the 2nd of july for a burden um one world night they're like showing the film maybe showing some other films that haven't been released and the clubs are playing and my girlfriend Sierra is actually doing a live art piece over top of um, a snowboard, uh, over top of snowboard photos that are going to be auctioned off as well. So it's going to be a huge night. I don't know what day of the week it is, but it doesn't matter because you should be there. Yeah. <laughs> and then doing the same thing in Auckland on the fifteenth of um, of July. I think that's the right way around. So right. yeah. And then a gig in at Fitzy's during Snowbox. So. 
cool. Yeah, got some stuff lined up. We've Mean. got a full new set list, seven original songs. So. Oh, nice! You guys busting out originals now. Yeah, we actually just recorded a. Oh, we recorded a garage demo, but we might put it on Spotify. Liam studied production, so should be to some sort of like listenable degree, mm. but probably not. <laughs> yeah. I was telling JJ I was hyped the first time I heard you guys at the Wayne's Vert Ramp party. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I swear I heard half of my music collection on the yeah. you know, Stoog- <laughs> Stooges, Bad yeah, Brains, yeah, yeah. Chrome Mags. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, dude, these, these guys fucking get it. <laughs> you know? I don't know, we just love that shit, like... Mm. Far out. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of good bands, uh, and I listen to a lot of modern music. Um, but I don't know. There's just a lot of good old songs too, and like, mm. not. Yeah, I just think that there. We don't have to like play new stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we can play whatever we want, so we may as well play the stuff that we want to play. You know. Yeah. And so a lot of it is like older. Um, music, but. That's sick that you like it because we fucking love playing it. It's so mm. fun to play. Mm. Yeah. But it, it sort of reverts back to what you were saying about snowboarding, you know, doing something because you enjoy doing it and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Well, we, we don't take ourselves seriously at all. Like, we just, we practice hard, like, when we do practice, but, like, fuck, it's just so fun playing, like, playing live gigs and, like, every time we've played, there's been a crazy amount of people come. Like, we honestly thought that, like, 10 people would show up and... We packed out Fitzies and like there was like a mosh pit and Liam went crowd surfing and like I don't know like it's just I fucking like couldn't believe how how fun it was so Mm. the more we can get into it the better it's just that now Liam's up in Auckland he's got a sick job for Sky up there and Charlie's in Christchurch and me and JJ sticking sticking it out in Wanaka so we got to try and get some logistics going but it's working. Now, is there anything uh, else we need to cover before we um, sign this one out? Nah, I don't think so. I think um, think we got everything. I just want to, I guess, yeah. Cool. Um, is there uh, some thank yous and shout outs? Yeah, out? absolutely. Um, firstly, to my parents because they're always they've always been backing me the whole way and like. Yeah, it's just been really cool to have people that are like my friends that just, you know, have my back from mm. day one from all the snowboarding stuff and even before that. So, And then huge thanks to obviously like all my mates, especially all the, all the ruckus crew that, I don't know, make live in down here in Wanaka so sick. It's just been rad. But then, yeah, I guess huge shout out to you for doing this. I think that's been the... I've enjoy listening to these podcasts heaps especially like on on drives where we can just like get in and it just you know really gets me hyped to go snowboarding so shut man yeah no absolutely it's awesome sweet um oh you know the you if you listen you know the drill with our enders then so i don't need to lecture on this one yeah so we'll just crack right into it favorite rider michael bang michael bang yeah favorite mountain um in New Zealand, oh, New Zealand TC, I think everyone on this yeah. program has said this, but yeah, TC, but overseas, probably Larks. Just nice. got everything, yeah. Cool. Just love it there. Uh, favorite board? Um, I'm going to go with a new school board because I've been f- absolutely loving this. It's the Burden Hometown Hero. 
Okay. It's a, it's like a family tree board, but um, it's just, I just could write it every day. You know, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's um, it's tapered, so it's like it's not a, it's a directional board, and it's made for kind of writing, backcountry, mm. like pow, but uh, you can, it just rips, you know. So what is the family tree? What's that? Family it, tree, it's a Burton thing though, obviously. Yeah, Burton. So, it's like Burton's, um, pow specific range, or I'd right. say like yeah, like alternative specific range because what they do is they design these boards around specific things, and so they're usually all uh, related to writing uh, off piece mm. snow, but in saying that they just rip on groomers, you know, and so the the hometown hero is kind of like squared off nose and tail but um it really like holds it's got a, it's quite a stiff tapered tail so it kind of just holds really good for big turns but the nose has just the right um uh like it just flexes like it goes from i don't know the specific word but i should know from stiff uh from thick to thin where the nose tapers uh in material mm-hmm. it just has such a good balance that i haven't found in other boards and it kind of is old school. I think they took a lot of design inspiration from like Terrier's pro models in terms mm. of the, in terms of that, and they've kind of evolved it from a, a very standard shape, just to make it like very versatile and mm. just giving me a fresh breath of air with board design because I don't know. I've got a lot of old school boards that I love as well, but mm. that's just been a pick of mine that like is something new that I got. I got stoked on. I'll probably yeah. have that board. I'll probably say in 20 years time that's my favourite board so man yeah oh, that's cool man um favourite video part um the I would say my favourite video of all time would be child support mm. just because I grew up on it yeah but um new school I've I loved I thought they absolutely nailed it as landline uh, the Vans oh, film. Yeah. I haven't seen that properly yet, eh? Oh, it's just, it's like a flashback. It's like a, the style of the film is like a flashback, but then the writing is just so progressive. It's just, they just nailed it, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Favourite gig? Ooh. I think Brian Jonestown Massacre in at Power Station in nice. Auckland. Nice. Yeah. That, or I got to see Mazzy Star in um, the Sydney Opera House. But it didn't have like you had to, we sat down and stuff like I, I think Brian Jonestown massacre was the, just, it was just crazy, mm. and we, I got to meet Anton at the oh, end. Yeah. yeah, we went to try to take a piss, uh, me and my mate Cam, and we just ended up in the smoking lounge, and it was outside, and Anton was there just like talking to like a bunch of random people, and we got to like meet him and say what up and. He didn't blow us up, so... Did you ever see that documentary about those? Oh, yeah. And he was... Dig? Fucking yeah. crazy, yeah. Like, well, he, he was chill the whole night. He didn't blow up at the show. We were there talking with him, and he was super mellow. And then we turned around and talked to our other mate who came up, and uh, then he blew up at this chick. Like, all of a sudden, just, like, blew up, and we were just like, whoa, that's gnarly. And then, so we left, and then he, he just jumped in the van and left. But yeah. yeah, he's he's an interesting fella. Mm, Talented I mean, though. Yeah, yeah. And then one of those bands I discovered way later, it's like fuck, I don't know where to start. 
Oh yeah, they have so much yeah, music. Yeah, so much. And and that documentary though, like, was it someone threw a piece of fruit at him on stage and he just fucking flipped yeah. it? Oh yeah, like, and he like just goes <laughs> off at his bandmates for playing like the wrong, like the, they do the tiniest mistakes and stuff. I, I think they yeah. they've had like twenty plus band members. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, favorite city. Um. Oh. Innsbruck. Favourite trick? Switchback 5. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to throw a new one in here. Favourite skateboarder? Oh. Uh, Dylan Reader. Nice. All time favourite, I think. Oh, I don't know. He, yeah. I mean, There's a- so many, but like, I remember talking to you like when you passed away and stuff, and like, he was the one that like had the biggest effect on me. Mm. But um, there's so many. I mean, yeah. there's an incredible style, that dude on the skateboard. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he was sick. Yeah, he was just on another level. And just, it's sick to see, like, just him being himself, like, that's the coolest, that's another cool thing about, like, mm. I don't know, he just did whatever he wanted to do, you know? Yeah, there's a lot lot you can take away from how he did things, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Favourite board graphic? Um, oh, ah, that's such a hard one. Mm, yeah. So many come into like pop into mind I think you can have a top three if you want I think my all time favourite is the wood knife like the Terrier wood knife like if there was if I could only have one board I'd choose that but um the wooden sword but then I thought the coolest like uh modern graphic was um Burden did a Mark Gonzalez um collab for the Freethinker and Um. Danny, the first the, year it came out, eh? The first year, yeah. the one with the colourful fishbone base, mm. um, and then he did a drawing on the on the top sheet, and it was just a white lamination with um, his drawing on it, and I thought that was the most timeless, like, modern board, and I've still got one of those in my garage. But I've, nice. I drew, I used to draw all over my boards, so I've drawn all over it, but I still think it's, I love it, like, it's just, that's going to be a wall mm. board for me, yeah. Mm. It was, a, I liked it was a throwback to the uh, Mitchie Alban yeah 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 exactly yeah 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 it was and then I wanted to even say that the the fish graphic was a throwback to that Jeff Brushy fish graphic as well oh yeah because remember yeah 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 Brush come out and had the fish skeleton the fish bones yeah and and I'm sure it was yeah I think that's going to be a board that goes down um really well like the age as well you know yeah yeah and like give it another 5-10 years it'll be a sought after collector's but I mean far out any gone anything gone touches Mm. turns to gold you know i just yeah. bought a um coffee table book of his that um oh, i'm not gonna remember the photographer's name now which is a shame um so i think he's spanish um but anyway i just bought a coffee table book and it's all like photos of gons and his art mm. and it's just so like so good i mean he's he's one in a million dude isn't he like yeah yeah you know. yeah 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 and um probably has more impact on things than he realizes because you know and those dudes took to the streets on the skateboard yeah that's where snowboarding took their cue from exactly like and then never skiing took that cue from snowboarding with rails too yeah. and then and look where it is now yeah it's yeah. crazy eh? it's, um, anyway <laughs> we've, we've gone off a little uh, best method um, I'm going to say Micklebang for me I know there's like old school, more like the traditional ones, but like just in terms of me growing up, like 
His was my favourite, so... Sweet. And our bonus question, what's the key to a good method? Oh, um... I definitely think that the key is, like, level... Like, try and level your board off and kick out your back foot straight instead of, like, up. Like, instead of bringing it up to your butt, like, just kick it out straight. Just grab your board and just think about just whacking your back foot out. Nice. And, I don't know, fuck, who cares? Just do it. Just go and do one. <laughs> it doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter how... how I just, just go and do one. That's the best thing. That's the yeah. trick to a good method is doing one. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Man, well, thank you so much for your time, Carlos, and... All the best for the winter. Hopefully we'll see you up there. Absolutely. Cheers, Tony. Cheers.